recorded live. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs everywhere. As promised, my friends, I want to get right into this. A, the critical thinking segment for today is a pop quiz. Is I decided I found something really good, my friends, and I decided to use this as the critical thinking segment and put it in the form of a pop quiz to see if you're actually getting it, if you're actually getting the critical thinking skills that I'm trying to put forth to you so that you can use them in your everyday lives. So because I'm not going to be looking over your shoulder and seeing how you score yourself, you got to be honest with yourself because if you can't be honest with yourself, who can you be honest with? Okay, so here we go. I'm going to read a eulogy. I'm going to read it to you, my friends. And I want you to listen carefully and then choose whether this eulogy is about A, Mother Teresa, B, Adolf Hitler, or C, Florence Henderson. Okay? You got that? Here we go. Here's the eulogy. Quote, We know that this moment fills people with powerful emotions, recalling the countless ways in which this person altered the course of individual lives, families, and of a culture. History will record and judge the enormous impact of this singular figure on the people and the world around her or him or him or her, whichever way you want to put it. We offer condolences to the deceased family, and our thoughts and prayers are with those closest to the deceased. In the years or in the days ahead, they will recall the past and look to the future. End quote. Okay, there's that's the eulogy. I'm going to make this even easier for you, my friends. Is it a eulogy for a wonderful person? Or a rotten one. So with that in mind, let's listen to it again. I'll read it a little faster. Quote, 
We know that this moment fills people with powerful emotions, recalling the countless ways in which this person altered the course of individual lives, families, and of a culture. History will record and judge the enormous impact of this singular figure on the people and the world around him or her. We offer condolences to the deceased family, and our thoughts and prayers are with those closest to the deceased. In the days ahead, they will recall the past and look to the future, end quote. Okay, now I've read it again. So, is it about a wonderful person or a rotten person? Maybe it's not that easy to tell, huh? Hmm? What do you think? Hmm? Give up? Well, it could clearly be about any of the choices listed above or any other human who has lived, but... These were actually the entirely meaningless words babbled by Barack Obama regarding the passing of Cuba's monstrous, murderous, freedom-suppressing, communist dictator for life, Fidel Castro. Yeah, that was his words about a man who's been a blight on the people of his nation and a sworn enemy of the United States for more than half a century. Now, not that you'd know any of that from Barry's bland and non-judgmental pronouncements, but then what would you expect from the president who recently normalized relations with Cuba in order to direct American funds to prop up the Castro dictatorship and further kill hopes for freedom and democracy among the oppressed still strapped within Cuba's borders? Yet another reason why the radically anti-freedom socialists in the Oval Office can't hit the street soon enough and hopefully on his rear end. Now I'm giving the hat tip, my friends, to the source, Hope and Change Cartoons. And, uh, yeah, yeah, B.O. and his bland pronouncement. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I do have time. I do have time. I I made a little note to myself here that if I had time to do this, so I'm going to do it right now. Have you heard about the comparison between the Electoral College and the 1960 World Series baseball game? If you haven't, I want to give it to you right now. It's real simple, my friends. This is why we don't have a popular vote giving president, okay? The Yankees in that year, winners of their 10th pennant in 12 years, outscored the Pirates throughout the series 55 to 27. They outhit them 91 to 60, outbatted them 338 to 256. They hit 10 home runs to Pittsburgh's four. Three of those came in the seventh game, and they got two complete game shutouts, and they lost. The Pirates' inconsistent pitching and Stengel's controversial decision not to start their pitcher forward resulted in a particular combination of close games and routes. But you know what? The end result was the Pirates won four of the seven games. So the 
electoral college, my friends, is the series, the entire seven-game series, and the so-called popular vote, well, that's the number of hits that were actually done between the two teams throughout the entire series. And right there, for those that relate maybe to sports more than anything else, should help you understand what the difference is. I heard that, my friends, and I went, oh, that's very interesting. That's good. Anyway, Roy's School of Gorilla Lawfare, <clears throat> LAW, Learn and Win Through Better Education. I want to share with you a law school segment that I did 22 months ago because in light of a new president-elect or possibly new president-elect, we'll have to see here when the Electoral College gets together, if we actually do have a President Trump. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay, I'm being, yes, exactly, my friends. I gave that example of the 1960 World Series baseball game and been told here exactly why no one campaigns in Oregon for seven measly electors, except Trump did. Trump did. Not Hillary, but Trump did. And Trump, that is one thing I will say for him that's very positive, and I'm not afraid to say it and, and admit that it's a positive thing to say about him, is that Trump's rallies were almost always in far out-of-the-way places where people had to travel hours, many hours to get there to make it so that most of his rallies were all-day events for the people attending them, getting up very early in the morning, spending almost all day getting there, staying there, and then the rest of the day until late at night getting home, for the great majority of them attending. Way out of the way places, and that's what most of his were. Not Hillary's, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> almost exclusively in places where she could control the narrative and make sure that even when she had just a few people, they could place the cameras in such a way to make it seem like there were tens of thousands of people there when there weren't. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so anyway, but back to the point here, the law school segment. This is a segment I shared with you 22 months ago, my friends. And I went looking for something to share in this segment. And I thought about what Trump is promising and some of the choices that he's already starting to make. And I went, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Now it's time to remind him that if he's going to be a populist president, he needs to remember what the populace wants. <clears throat> it's an article by Charles Koch and Mark Holden, and it was entitled The Overcriminalization of America, or How to Reduce Poverty and Improve Race Relations by Rethinking 
our justice system. So, as Americans, we like to believe the rule of law in our country is respected and fairly applied, and that only those who commit crimes of fraud or violence are punished and imprisoned. But the reality is often different. It is surprisingly easy for otherwise law-abiding citizens to run afoul of the overwhelming number of federal and state criminal laws, this proliferation is sometimes referred to as overcriminalization, which affects us all but most profoundly harms our disadvantaged citizens. Overcriminalization has led to the mass incarceration of those ensnared by our criminal justice system, even though such imprisonment does not always enhance public safety. Very key point, my friends. Indeed, more than half of federal inmates are nonviolent drug offenders. And now, of course, we know since this article was first brought forward 22 months ago, it has been revealed that the entire reason for the um, uh, DEA and the war on drugs, was, which was instituted by then-President Nixon, was specifically to go after his political enemies, especially the poor black working families that were still left at that point after uh, uh, LBJ's war on the black family, that is. But the few that were remaining, it was to go after them. So it doesn't enhance public safety. Nonviolent drug offenders and enforcing so many victimless crimes inevitably leads to conflict between our citizens and law enforcement. As we have seen all too often, it can place our police officers in harm's way, leading to tragic consequences for all involved. Now, remember, think back. This was published 22 months ago. Look what's happened in just the last 22 months. Now with massive amounts of local police and even some sheriffs under federal control, as I exposed earlier in this show, for those of you that were with us. Yep. Yep. That's what's happening. And now, my friends... This just occurred to me, which I had forgotten about, and I didn't put a note to myself to remind you, but it just occurred to me. There is now a move afoot that makes it a mandatory death sentence if someone kills a police officer. But I notice there is no mandatory death sentence for a police officer who goes on a no-knock raid and busts down the wrong door of the wrong house and kills the people inside that, well, their only crime was waking up to find armed people invading their house and trying to defend themselves. Yeah. There is no death penalty that direction, I notice. And as long as there is that type of inequality, well, we end up in this situation. The situation that began with, you know, well-intentioned lawmakers 
who went overboard trying to solve perceived or actual problems. And then Congress creating, on average, more than 50 new criminal laws each year. And over time, this has translated to more than 4,500 federal criminal laws spread across 27,000 pages of the United States Federal Code. And by the way, that's grown by at least 100 since this has been written, my friends, the number of, of criminal laws. I don't know how many more pages, but... This number does not include the thousands of criminal penalties in federal regulations. Yeah, criminal penalties in simple regulations, not laws. As a result, the United States is now the world's largest jailer, first in the world for total number in prison and first among industrialized nations in the rate of incarceration. That's why I'm not including Cuba in this list, my friends because it's not an industrialized nation. The United States represents about 5% of the world's population, but houses about 25% of the world's prisoners. Now, I'm going to humbly disagree with the one small point that was given here. I've shown time and time again how these lawmakers, quote-unquote, are not well-intentioned. Moving on. We've paid a heavy price for mass incarceration, and we could benefit by reversing this trend. It has been estimated that at least 53% of those entering prison were living at or below the U.S. poverty line when their sentence began. Hello, I know, I was one, okay? At or below the federal poverty line, okay? And incarceration leads to a 40% decrease in annual earnings, reduced job tenure, and higher unemployment. In fact, I'll, I'm going to go back here just a second, my friends. I mentioned earlier in the show about how I used to be on the lecture circuit. Well, when I was on the lecture circuit, I was not below the poverty level. In fact, I was very close to what today is called middle of the middle class in an income level. But it wasn't income, my friends. It wasn't anything that I had to report. In fact, I even, and I still have, a letter from the IRS telling me I'm not a taxpayer and, they, and stop bugging them about the issue and that they will let me know when that situation changes. They've never let me know, my friends, but I didn't have any income then, and I don't have any income now, which, of course, puts me below that poverty level, okay? But anyway, I digress. Uh, incarceration leads to a 40% decrease in annual earnings, reduced job tenure, and higher unemployment. A Pew Charitable Trust study revealed that two-thirds of former inmates with earnings in the bottom fifth upon release in 1986 remained at or below that level 20 years later. A Villanova University study concluded that, quote, had mass incarceration not occurred, poverty would have decreased by more than 20% or about 2.8 percentage points, end quote. And furthermore, quote, several million fewer people 
would have been in poverty in recent years, end quote. Now, blacks who make up around 13% of the U.S. population but account for almost 40% of the inmates are significantly affected by these issues. And, of course, I brought up one of the major reasons, the insane war on drugs instituted by and started by Richard Nixon, instituting the fake and phony DEA specifically to target blacks, okay? Specifically. And he admitted to it. But we've not been told about that until just very recently. We suspected it, but we finally have gotten confirmation from the inside, albeit posthumously, when someone said, oh, by the way, I did this interview with this guy, and he admitted, you know, he was, he was such and such an insider in the Nixon administration, and admitted, oh, yeah, it was all done to do this, and such and such, and then the guy died, and, and we can't go back and question him. Now, did you really say these things? Uh, you know? Okay, terrific. Anyway. These 40% of inmates and are significantly affected by these issues. And according to Harvard sociologist Bruce Western, quote, prison has become the new poverty trap. It has become a routine event for poor black men and their families, creating an enduring disadvantage at the very bottom of American society, end quote. So reversing Overcriminalization and mass incarceration will improve societal well-being in many respects, most notably by decreasing poverty. Today, approximately 50 million people, about 14% of the population, are at or below the U.S. poverty rate. Now, this was 22 months ago, my friends. I know the numbers have gotten worse in the last 22 months, but so take that with the grain of salt of time. Fixing our criminal system could reduce the overall poverty rate by as much as 30% dramatically improving the quality of life throughout history, especially for the disadvantaged. To bring about such a transformation, we must all set aside partisan politics and collaborate on solutions. This is why we've partnered with the National Association of Criminal Defense Attorneys for more than 10 years to bring about positive changes to our justice system. We support a five-step approach to criminal justice reform. First, do no more harm. Legislators must resist the temptation to criminalize activities do, that do not fit a common sense understanding of what is a crime. Criminal laws should not impose liability <clears throat> if the accused did not knowingly and willfully intend, keep that term in mind, intend to commit the bad act. This explosion of criminal laws has led to imposing liability on activities that ordinary citizens would have no reason to believe would be criminal, such as converting a wild donkey into a private donkey, or bathing in the Arkansas Hot Springs National Park without a doctor's note, or agreeing to take mail to the post office but not dropping it off. It has led to criminal liability for amateur arrowhead collectors who had no idea their hobby would be a federal crime, as well as criminal charges and a conviction for a former Indianapolis 500 champion who got lost while snowmobiling during a blizzard and unwittingly ended up up in federal land. Now, I said keep that term willfully uh, in mind. The myth of the well-intentioned lawmakers, as I've shown, that intent has been deliberately removed from many existing laws and new laws are being created, deliberately leaving that phrase out 
And for those of you who scream about laws regarding national security, like in this last election, I remind you that the people who would be convicted of those, like Hillary, took oaths of office, which makes them culpable for doing things they should have known about. Because if you can't hold them responsible, look what happens. They end up running for office. But I digress. Second, we must address prosecutorial abuses, especially in the discovery and grand jury processes. Even the late Senator Ted Stevens fell victim to prosecutorial abuse in his trial when during the discovery process, federal prosecutors systematically concealed evidence that supported the senator's defense and testimony. Prosecutors must disclose all evidence favorable to the accused to ensure that every American should be treated equally and fairly under the law, whether the accused is a disadvantaged urban teenager or a wealthy corporate executive. Third, we must ensure that all those who charged with a crime receive their sixth article right to counsel. They say representation by a lawyer, but we really know we, that should be counsel. Inadequate or no legal representation results in devastating consequences for criminal defendants and their families, or even having legal representation as part of the bar leads to the same results, my friends. Fourth, end unduly harsh sentences resulting in disparities by eliminating mandatory minimum sentences that dictate punishment unrelated to the nature or harm of the underlying crime and facts. We must honor the ideal of the punishment fitting the crime by allowing judges to exercise discretion. And unfortunately, my friends, the pendulum has swung so far in the wrong direction, it needs to be maintained that when a judge goes against a sentencing report that they have to give cause and that such decisions should only be able to be appealed by the defendant as the state has such an overwhelming advantage. If that was the case, I never would have gone to that federal prison camp. Finally, after a sentence is served, this is the most important, we should restore all rights to youthful and nonviolent offenders, such as those involved in personal drug use violations. If ex-offenders can't get a job, how can they be part of society? Well, I had more, but I ran out of time. Sorry, I got diary of the mouth. This concludes this edition of the Constitutional Crusader Show. Until next week, unless the creek rises or they come and take me away again, my fellow Americans, keep your powder dry. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
cold in my office at this moment. But uh, Thanksgiving Day is around the corner. It looks like it's going to be about 69 degrees out here. Ah, but then the Midwest, from what I hear, you guys are starting to warm up and it's getting to rain. So, I don't know, maybe you might have a warm Thanksgiving after all. Anyways, folks, this is the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast, a show that's uh, dedicated to tackling controversy and conspiracy directly related to Christianity. And we tackle all these things from a biblical perspective, because we believe the Bible is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice, from politics to pop culture. We believe the Bible has all the answers, all the answers. Even in issues of liberty, we do believe the Bible has all the answers. And we'll talk a little bit about that liberty in the uh, second half of the broadcast. I hope everybody's planning on having a wonderful Thanksgiving. Those of you who are not doing anything for Thanksgiving because you think it's a pagan holiday, I hope you have a wonderful day regardless, and uh, I'll talk about that in the second half of the broadcast. I love Thanksgiving. I really do. But, yes, it has surfaced that Thanksgiving may very well be a pagan holiday. Is it a pagan holiday? Eh, we'll talk about that in the second half. We, we will. I, I might as well deal with it. Um, you know, Christmas, Easter, Halloween, we know all about those. But uh, Thanksgiving, too? Oh, man, you're ruining my turkey day. <laughs> ah, anyways, we'll look at what the scriptures say, because the Bible has all the answers. It really does. And... Um, Amen for that. Uh, can you imagine living in this life, uh, uh, leaving it up to your elders, or, or, or leaving life's decisions up to your own whims, or how about to your own emotions? Uh, folks, I, I, that would, that's absolute lunacy. That's, it wouldn't work. I, yeah, okay, if you leave it up to the quote-unquote elders, then what you're going to have is the Amish religion. Or Mennonites, and that's really what the Amish are. Uh, you get out there in Indiana and Ohio and uh, in the Midwest where you can actually grow something. Um, you see these Amish, and they look really neat as they ride up and down the streets in their horse and buggies, and uh, then you get stuck behind them uh, or going around a blind curve, and you can't do anything but wait, otherwise you might die, and they might die too if you try to get past them. Yes, I've been there. But anyhow, you look at the Amish, and, and you think, wow, maple and uh, organic milk and all that stuff. And you think, wow, they've done something great. Honestly, folks, if you study their religion, you'll see there's nothing biblical about it. If you talk to them face-to-face, -face, so why do you ride in a horse and buggy? You know what they'll tell you? Well, you know, the um, I can't even do a Dutch accent, so I'm not going to try. But they'll say stuff like, well, my elder told me. Your elder told you? Well, that's not Bible. I mean, listen, if we leave it up to just the elders, it's not going to be right, no matter how much experience you have. No matter how much experience you have. The Scripture is the final authority. So, well, I'm 60 years old. I've been around the block, um, you know, a time or two. Well, listen, if you've been around the block outside the realm of faith and righteousness, then I really don't give a rip what you think. You might have some experience. But if it's not aligned with Scripture, you're just wasting my time. And that's not trying to be arrogant in any way, shape, or form. I'm not trying to be arrogant, because the Bible tells us to honor the elders. But if whatever the elder says is not, then I can't honor what they say. I'll honor their age, and that's about it. We rise before the hoary head, is what the Bible says. That's H-O-A-R. 
uh, why, all right? That's, that's the Bible. Um, if you re- recall in the New Testament, the, uh, the high priests and many of the elders of Israel actually shouted, crucify him in regards to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the elders aren't always right just because of their age. But can you imagine living by just that? It's not a good idea. You still have to have the Bible. And the Bible does respect respect age, but does not allow age to trump Scripture. Never does. Say, well, I, I, you know, I, it's how I feel. Well, I mean, think about it. If you, if you made your decisions based on how you feel, then you'll be just like, um, you'll be just like the, uh, the, the folks out in Ferguson, Missouri. There you go. You'll be just like the folks out there in Ferguson, Missouri, which is just an absolute mess. It's been a mess since August 9th. Uh, cop shoots, um, you know, an African-American. I'm just using that so we can just, you know, you understand what I'm talking about. But we all know the story. I mean, Drudge Report, the opening, the opening page, uh, stores close ahead of the announcement. Signs of rising tension, protests growing, churches to be safe houses. Uh, we're going through lockdown drills. Why? Because they're going to announce, grand jury is going to announce at 8 p.m. Central Time whether or not that cop is guilty. So now, listen, here's what's going to happen. If he announced, if they announce that he's guilty, they're still going to riot. I guarantee it. Say, oh, now, wait a minute. Look, folks, when Michigan State wins a, a championship or Michigan, um, or, well, let's, let's just go let's stick with Michigan State. If Michigan State wins a champion, Big Ten championship or uh, the national championship, they riot. If they lose, they riot. Okay, so if they announce that he's guilty of, you know, maybe involuntary manslaughter or they're guilty of murder first degree, they're going to riot. You say, well, if he if they announce that he's not guilty, which may very well happen, I think people know what's going on. I mean, cops are getting ready for rioting. They announce he's not guilty. They're going to it's going to it's going to go. It's 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 going to go out of control. Now, listen. That might not be as successful if they tried that here in the state of Arizona, um, because I think most store owners would probably be well-armed and ready. That would not go well. But here's something. Look what the Bible says. You say, well, listen, if, if the cop truly is guilty for killing this young man, which, by the way, they've already showed, just kind of like um, uh, in the Trayvon Martin case, the young man was hardly innocent, all right? But we don't know whether he was killed or murdered, all right? And there is a distinction between killing and murdering. Um, but uh, you say, well, if he, if, he, if he truly was murdered, then a statement must be made. The police department down. Now, don't get too excited. <laughs> I see you in the chat room, Gino. Let's comment. Where's Bill Cosby when we need him? Right. Um, <clears throat> but let's say uh, he is guilty of murder and they let him off. We burn the place down. Listen, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 13 and verse 12. He says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness. And by the way, rioting and drunkenness, he puts them separately. So if you're drunk, you'll riot. And that may very well be the case. All right. 
But rioting and drunkenness, he says, neither one of them is not a part of a Christian walk, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envy. They said, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's what the Bible teaches. So this is not, it is definitely not um, a, a mark of Christianity. It's a mark of, uh, uh, of youthful lust is what it is. It's a mark of catering and kowtowing to a what they would call a minority group to the point where it's all excused if anything bad ever happens to you. Well, they, they can act like animals as long as, as long as, um, as long as they've been wronged in some way because of you know ancient sins of the past. They were slaves, and so now they have a right to literally act like animals. If anything is a, a slightly done against them, and really, this is how they are. That is not Christianity. That is not even justice. Uh, that's just immaturity. But we have created this monstrosity in our country because we do not understand the punishment for paganism. We don't understand that. We don't grasp it. This is what happens when we remove God out of every aspect of our lives. Therefore, the lack of common sense takes place. Gino says, where's Bill Cosby when we need him? And Cosby's got enough problems of his own. Why? Because sins will find you out. And, of course, they're going to crucify this man because he's somewhat conservative. Can't be conservative. I'll tell you that right now and, this, and be a star in our society. But sins will, will find you out. Things like this come back to get you. And, um, you, you know, this is what we forget, that God is a just God. And God is God. He's up in glory. He sees everything. Nothing passes by. So when we think, well, you know, this guy's getting away with it. Bill Cosby's not going to get away with what he did. Well, time will tell. And even if with all of his millions, he gets, he gets off free and these women uh, were truly um, abused by him. You say, well, that's not just. God is just. And Bill Cosby can't live forever. He cannot live forever. You say, well, are you saying he's guilty or not? I don't know whether he's guilty. It could be just one big agenda against him. So many people think, you know, the world is against them. Maybe it is against him. Or maybe he is guilty. The point is, we stand at the judgment one day. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And whether it be a cop in Ferguson, Missouri, or a comedian um, on television, you give an answer to God, but it's just not fair. But, you know, see, that's our flesh talking. It really is. We somehow feel like we have to be assuaged from all the ills and injustices. Just understand who we serve. Remember what the Bible says in Romans 13, verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does Paul tell us to put on Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ's example was the best example. Think about it. If Jesus Christ held the same attitude that we have, if he truly maintained the same attitude that we have, you and I would still be offering up sacrifices to cover for our sins. If he'd have come off that cross, and by the way, that was not justice. He was an innocent man. But he appeased God's justice. Because something had to be paid for our sins. Now that's where it gets to be unfair. 
Think about that for just a moment, folks. As we look at the ills and injustices of our society, and maybe some of it aimed at us, if you've been saved by the glorious grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blood of Christ has truly been applied to your account, folks, if you really want to look at it honestly, how fair is it that you don't have to pay for your sins? It's not quite just. That an innocent man sins. It doesn't seem just, but it is God's justice. God requires a payment, and it's a payment of blood, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Your modern versions, of course, will take that uh, through his blood out, because they don't like the blood. The devil hates the blood. Once that blood has been shed, man, that's what God is looking for. God's justice is appeased. So while we complain about being treated unfairly, let's put on the Lord Jesus Christ first. Let's put him on first. Why? Because this is the best example. You know, you know, you know what our attitude is? Literally, if we applied our attitude to Jesus Christ in this life. Now think about this for just a moment. Now I'm not going pacifistic on you. Don't you, don't you start trying to pull that on me, all right? But if you took your attitude and applied it to Jesus Christ, you know what you'd have to call Christ? You'd have to call him sissy. The fact that he could go to the cross and endure all those abuses without one bit of retribution at that moment, when he could have called 10,000 angels at, 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 at his beck and call, he could have called them, and he chose not to, but endured the cross— Yes, he despised the shame, but he endured the cross. Allowed them to charge him. And he was led as a lamb, dumb before his shearers. Didn't even speak out against them. Why, you bunch of reprobates? He could have, I mean, he could have preached one of the greatest sermons from the cross. You bunch of reprobates, do you know what I'm doing up here? Instead, he said, Father, forgive them. Well, he must have been a pacifist. What a sissy. Instead of exacting revenge. Well, that would have felt good. Do you see what I'm trying to say here? You know why it's rubbing you the wrong way? Because you're still living in the flesh. Get these guys out there that are writing, you know, the uh, avenger of blood in the Old Testament of Scriptures. You want, you, want, you, you want to know why you're still writing that verse about the avenger of blood in the Old Testament scriptures? Because you have no idea what dispensation is. You have no idea. And you've forgotten who Jesus Christ is. You have. Because his judgment is far more satisfying and thorough than our revenge. Ferguson, Missouri. What an absolute mess. What an absolute mess. And yet many would suggest, gosh, you know what, if he was truly killed uh, and, and as an innocent man. And listen, okay, um, for the stories that have been told about this, this young man, for the stories that have been told, if that is actually true, you know, he was just minding his own business, the old cop forced him upon him, and then, you know, shot him, cold blood, yada, yada, yada. All that, it still doesn't justify the mess that's in Ferguson, Missouri. It doesn't justify it. 
say, is it going to stop it? No, not no. Me saying so on the air is not going to stop it. But looking at it from the Word of God, I hope that it would make us think a little bit. Yeah, I, I, nobody likes a corrupt cop. And it seems like there's more and more thanks to um, smartphones. Praise God for them. I don't have a problem with that. I want to see justice as much as you do, but God's justice will be far greater if injustice is shown here. So you're saying he's guilty? How am I, how am I supposed to know? How can you know that he's guilty? Well, the news. <laughs> right. The news, because you know that's all true, whether it be Drudge Report or, you know, CNN. If it came across the airwaves, then it must be true. Even while you're listening to my voice, you have to check it with the Scripture. That's why I gave Scripture, so you know where I'm standing on. Amnesty, an executive order. I like the question that was put, on, uh, put upon President Obama uh, by George Stephanopoulos. By the way, George Stephanopoulos is supposed to be the first one to interview the cop after the grand jury decision in Ferguson, Missouri. Wow. Prestigious. Okay. But anyway, he, uh, George Stephanopoulos asked uh, President Obama upon, of course, his executive order for amnesty for, what, $5 million, I think it was? $5 million. And, 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 of course, it looks good to the liberal, giving uh, a bunch of illegal aliens uh, a free pass into our nation. Will it help our economy? Obviously not. Um, will it help our culture? No, of course not. It's not going to help it. These folks that have come in illegally, they're not intending to be Americans. They really are. Look, folks, I've got folks in our church that have immigrated from other countries. All right, and they are just seething mad at this executive order. Absolutely furious at this executive order. I got two families in our church, two two people in particular that have come over and done things right. And the work and the paperwork, all just the the all the labor that went into them being able to stay here legally in this country, and then they see the five million people are gonna get a free pass by one stroke of a pen by the president. George Stephanopoulos asked him a good question though. I like this. Um, he, he, he said, uh, let's see, let's see if I can find it. He said, so you don't think it'd be legitimate for a future president to make the argument of lowering taxes or may, to pass? And his question was, is it, since you were able to just do this, just executive order to defy uh, American law, uh, just destroy our borders, he said, why can't a future president decide to lower taxes through an executive order? And I mean, President Obama just about flipped his lid, couldn't give one straight answer. And uh, he said, with respect to taxes, he says, I, w I don't think that would be legitimate, and so on and so forth. He's basically saying what he gets to do is allowed, but if a president decides to lower taxes and actually do something executively to the benefit of the people of this nation, and we're not talking about illegal aliens because they are not peoples of this nation. They're not. But he couldn't handle it. And I mean, he, well, he can't handle anything without a teleprompter anyways. Absolute ridiculousness. Absolute ridiculousness. Now, now considering what has been done, uh, this is a good, uh, as far as Obama's executive order, um, it's a good segue into our subject on Thanksgiving. Because if you study the pilgrims who, by the way, established Thanksgiving in this nation, no, it wasn't a but. But, well, okay, you know what? I shouldn't have been so mean and, and just, just take a biased position. We'll talk about it in the second half of the broadcast. But when the pilgrims 
left England. They went to Holland. And they had to get out of Holland for several reasons. One of them is the fact that they were afraid their culture would be destroyed. Their way of life would be destroyed. Two, the morality of Holland was hardly, hardly Christian. It was hardly Christian. The Dutch, um, in fact, this is, the, this is how they described it. They, they, the pilgrims believed that their children were going the way of Holland, the way of the world. And, this, and I quote, tending to dissoluteness and the destruction of their souls to the great grief of their parents and the dishonor of God. Holland was a place being of great licentiousness and liberty to children. They could not educate them, nor they, nor could they give them due correction without reproof or reproach from their Dutch neighbors. And so the pilgrims wanted to raise their children in the ways of God. They had to get out of Holland. Now, another reason why they left, of course, is um, a war with Spain, and it looked like Spain was going to have a, a stronger influence in uh, Holland and the Netherlands, so they got out of there because of the Spanish Inquisition. So why do you bring that up? Well, first of all, we're going to be dealing with it in the second half of the broadcast, but there's something to be said about preserving a Christian culture. So well, that's nothing. Well, I know. I know that this world is not our home. We are just a passing through. All right? I realize that we're looking for a better—in fact, we're supposed to be pilgrims and strangers if we are born again saints of God. And we're pilgrims and strangers in this life. We're not trying to bring in a kingdom in this life. Christ brings the kingdom. We don't. We don't even establish the kingdom here. We're looking for a country whose builder and maker of God. That's New Testament, by the way. New Testament. And, um, and that was actually a description of Abraham and Noah, and that's something we look towards in this New Testament age. So even they, Old Testament saints, were looking for a country whose builder and maker God, and it was a heavenly country. So yes, our roots are temporary here, but there is something to be said about preserving a Christian culture. Which maybe 50, 60 years ago, or even 100 years ago, no doubt 100 years ago, we might have thought that as an important thing. If you'd have gone 200 years ago, you'd realize that this country was not sympathetic to the Roman Catholic culture, which, by the way, would be coming up from the South, which our president just granted amnesty to. And no, I'm not a Protestant. I'm nothing to protest. I just preach. I'm a preacher, a Bible believer. If you study your history, you'll miraculously preserve this part of the continent, this, this North American continent, the United States of America, by sending the right people here. And not just Anglo-Saxon people. That's for all you British Israelites out there. <laughs> all right, folks, there's some music. We'll talk a little bit more about this in the second half of the broadcast. Be right back.
access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Doc Mike's book, How to Practice Medicine Without a License. Be your own doctor for only $14.95 plus $2 postage and handling. Call Doc Mike Direct at 708-488-8887 or go to wakeupwell.org. That's wakeupwell.org to order Doc Mike's book, How to Practice Medicine Without a License. Be your own doctor for only $14.95 plus $2 postage and handling or call 708-488-8887. That's 708-488-8887. Order now.
Welcome back to the second half of the broadcast. This is Pastor Anthony, Anthony Garisti broadcasting to you live from the grand state of Arizona. And uh, this is the Contenders for the Faith, where the Bible tells us to earnestly contend for the faith. And that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, just follow the scriptures as found in the book of Jude and found in old King James Bible. Good to have you along with us tonight. So much to talk about. I do want to deal with Thanksgiving Day. Looking forward to that holiday. And I hope that you are as well. You can contact me, pastor at Payson First Baptist Church dot net. That's pastor at Payson First Baptist Church dot net. That's a real easy way to get a hold of me, or you can snail mail me if you still do that. P.O. Box 8, Payson, Arizona, 85547. That's uh, P.O. Box 8, Payson, Arizona, 85547. And, um, yes, we uh, do exist. We are a legitimate church up here in Payson. Uh, it's First Baptist Church, Payson, Arizona. You can always check us out. We stand for the old King James Bible. We stand for uh, loving the lost, telling the truth, uh, staying separated, worshiping the Lord in holiness, spirit and truth, and just striving to please God in every aspect of our lives. And the Bible teaches that's why we were created that's the whole purpose. If we don't put a smile on God's face, then we're not fulfilling our purpose in this life. That's as simple as that. It's not about our own pleasures. It's not about our own feelings or our own emotions. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is about pleasing him simple as that. Now, folks, uh, if you want to, you can jump into the chat room. There's all kinds of uh, good conversation in there. Appreciate all the uh, the statements and uh, what have you. But uh, see everybody there. Frank, Italiano2, Andrew Elf, support. By the way, Italiano2, that's me, so I am watching the chat room in there. Elf, support, perfect holiday name. Manalishi, Spudman, Solo Joe, LT, Bible Thumper, 1611, that's 1611, I'm assuming you stand on the old King James Bible. You thump it every once in a while. Good for you. But anyhow, glad to see everybody in the chat room. And um, I <laughs> talking to Frank about the comments in the chat room. Appreciate all of it. I really do. It it just it doesn't it doesn't rub me the wrong way. Um, you just have to know me. Um, we um, this is what our show is about. We earnestly contend for the faith. So there's going to be a little bit of contention because the Bible teaches us to do so. And, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul, in many cases, warned about false teachers and even named them by name. But I think uh, we missed the point in the first half of the broadcast, and that was the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, I disagree with... Um, I disagree with the vengeful spirit. That's wrong, and pointing it out is not wrong. We're looking to Christ's example. And if that makes us angry, then we've got to wonder what's going on in our own hearts and minds to begin with. Did you miss the cross of Christ? What he did on the cross, why he did it on the cross, that is our example, that is our life. If we're not living according to that standard, which, by the way, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, in Philippians chapter 3, or chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
So if the mindset is not in us, then we're living the wrong type of life. Study the book of 1 Corinthians, a book of warnings and rebukes from chapter 1 all the way to the end of the chapter. Then 2 Corinthians comes in, and 2 Corinthians still has the rebukes, but then also the, uh, the reward of repentance. It's a blessed old book that we follow, folks. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you catch it on a day where you've got to get rebuked, and sometimes you catch it on a day where you get the encouragement, or you're doing a good job. Praise God, be faithful. But if we look and live in light of the cross of Jesus Christ, we have direction in this life. And it's not often the direction we're walking in. It's not often the mindset that we have developed. Look, the demographics for this radio station is often very And, of course, if you've listened to our show for any length of time, you'll know that we have to disagree with something. If we all agreed on the same things, then someone's not thinking. It's as simple as that. So what do we do? We preach the Word. And if preaching the Word has to deal with opposing our lifestyle— then the lifestyle has to change. The Word never does. The Word never does. But I appreciate all of your comments. Thank you so very much for them, and God bless your hearts. Uh, you keep listening. And, 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 you know, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You need to tune in on Hatefulness Hour every third Monday of the month, because the Bible—and yeah, I, and I know that may sound uh, rough or abrasive, but actually hatefulness is— very much a Christian attribute. Study your Bibles. It's very much so. If you love the Lord, you have to hate something. If you claim to love the Lord and do not hate something, then you do not love the Lord. So, whoa, I'm not sure about that. No, you can't be ambivalent. You can't be middle of the road on this one. This is how God is. You love me, there should be something that you hate. Now, for Hatefulness Hour, you can call in these comments and just say, you know what, I hate, I hate what you're saying, or I hate the way that you say it. Now, I'm going to say this as graciously as I possibly can, but I do think that the world has done more to weaken the truth by intimidating the saints of God from speaking the truth. Had an individual come to me a while back and said, I, I just don't appreciate you saying these words from the pulpit. I, I said that there was a certain lifestyle that I believe was very freakish. Very freakish. I said that from the pulpit. And I said, well, I don't think that's very nice, but it was an unnatural, ungodly lifestyle. And what I found out later on was that they were involved in the lifestyle, and they didn't like the term. Now, here's what the world will tell you. The world will say, well, if you had said it in a nicer way. No, the Bible doesn't tell us to say it in a nicer way. The Bible just merely tells us to preach the Word and to reprove and to rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and meekness. So I'll say this, and this I'm going to say this for the comments that are in there. I take every comment seriously, and I praise God for it. And if it comes across abrasive, I, I honestly, I'm just, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And yes, you're right, the uh, Bible thumper, the Bible says in many places that God hates certain things and people. Proverbs chapter 6. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I put my pants on the same way as you do, and I got 
investment seat of Christ just like you do. Therefore, I must yield myself to the Holy Spirit of God. Say, well, I'm not sure that's the Holy Spirit of God. Ooh, now be careful about that. Be very, very careful about determining who you think is being led by the Spirit of God. Because the question has to be asked, are you being led by the Spirit of God? And then you have to say, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just doing the best I can, just like I am. Why? Because we have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, both you and I. And we will give an account of everything, everything that we do. And then the rewards or the lack of rewards will be judged and determined at that time. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we must humbly tread in this life. Preaching the word, preaching the truth. So God bless your heart. Thank you so much for everything that you've said. I really, really do appreciate it. Frank's going to probably get on my case for being too soft, but that's just the way it is. God bless you. All right, now I want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I just received a, a letter a while back. It wasn't a letter. It was actually an article. But in um, it, it, was, it was describing how pagan Thanksgiving is supposed to be. Now, Thanksgiving is supposed to be on Thursday. Uh, it was declared a national holiday by President Abraham Lincoln, which that may be why some are against Thanksgiving. You know, President Abraham Lincoln, stinking Lincoln, you know, for the North, those uh, northern invaders, whatever. Anyways, the uh, the president uh, declares in 18... Uh, let's see, I, I've got the date somewhere around here. Uh, no, I've got to get it right. <clears throat> I think it was 1866, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, da, 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 da. Anyway, you can look it up for yourself if you want to. But regardless of that, President Lincoln declares it a national holiday. We trace it back to the pilgrims in 1621. Now, our church just put on a Thanksgiving play with the children. Did a fantastic job quoting the Word of God, worshiping the Lord in song, and uh, we're able to give the gospel out. Uh, we believe that uh, winning souls is a very, very important aspect of Christianity. And... Um, so we, we, we tried to utilize the Thanksgiving play as an opportunity to invite friends and neighbors and just get the gospel out. But the question is this, is, is Thanksgiving a pagan holiday? Is it a pagan holiday, and do we as Christians have the right to celebrate Thanksgiving? I mean, would we put it in the same category as Halloween or Christmas or Easter? So I decided to give this article at least a non-biased glance. I, I, I literally would. I, no, I shouldn't. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I just did a Thanksgiving play, so naturally, I said, whoa, am I, am I doing wrong? Well, I'm going to prove them wrong, you know. No, I, I really wanted to view it with um, – but I do know what the Bible says. The Scriptures are very, very clear about giving Thanksgiving – or offering thanks. Very, very clear. In fact, let me give you this verse before we get into uh, the, the subject of thanksgiving. In Psalms 92 and verse 1, the Bible says, A psalm or song for the Sabbath day. It is a good thing. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. 
Now, that's just one verse out of many, many verses. But the Bible is clear. It is a good thing, meaning you give thanksgiving on one day or the other. It's not a bad thing. And I'm talking about giving thanks unto the Most High. Now, I want to read one more verse, and that's Romans 14 and verse 6. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. Now, this article begins with, is it really pagan? He says, this may shock and surprise many, but the fact is, is Thanksgiving Day is not a holy day. It is not a God-sanctioned day. And by the time you get to the end of the article, his argument is, no Christian should have anything to do with this pagan holiday. Now, I wanted to look into some of the scripture he gave, but he didn't really give that much scripture. He gave a warning out of Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses uh, 28 through 32. And he says, here the Bible says we're not to follow the ways of the heathen. And he's right. Deuteronomy 12, verses 28 through 32, do teach that. All right? There's no question in my mind. But the Thanksgiving Day that we celebrate traces back to not a day uh, established by the heathen, but to the pilgrims and Indians. Now, the Indians were heathen, but the pilgrims himself literally declared that day as a day of thanksgiving to the Most High God. They started it. They didn't look at it as a pagan practice, and in no way was it a pagan practice, for the pilgrims had every intention to get the gospel to the Indians, which, by the way, Squanto was a, and I'm going to use quotation marks on this, a Christian. Okay, now there's debate as to whether or not he was influenced by Roman Catholicism or not, but he was influenced by some type of Christendom. It may not have been Bible Christianity, but he did appreciate and fear the Lord God. Whether he was saved or not, that's another question. But the fact is, is we do trace our history back to the pilgrims. The main argument here is that we have no right in this article to celebrate a Thanksgiving Day when there was already a Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, uh, I think it is, S-U-C-C-O, pronouncing it right, uh, as found in um, Leviticus chapter 23. By the way, uh, Sukkot, S-U-C-O-T-E, Feast of Tabernacles. Anyways, they claim that this is a feast day for the harvest time established by God in Leviticus 23, and therefore that is the only day that we can celebrate, which, by the way, is not commanded by God for us in this dispensation. It simply is not. Romans 14 teaches it can be celebrated or not celebrated. It is very clear in the Scriptures. Now, one of the things he brings out in his article is that the pagans had a harvest festival, and just about every every uh, era uh, uh, of maritime history, I say maritime, wrong, wrong word terminology, but uh, in world world history, there has always been some sort of harvest festival, and. Most of the harvest festivals, he suggests, are done by were, – were, well, they were all – they were celebrated even by Israelites, all right, Feast of Tabernacles. But he suggests that because pagans also had harvest festivals and worshipped Mother Earth or the corn baby or Roman corn goddess or the harvest queen uh, or the ivy girl or the neck and the mare and so on and so forth, because they did that, his main argument is we cannot celebrate a harvest festival. And then he goes to quote a certain scripture. 
say, why are you bringing this up? Well, listen, if we are doing something wrong, then we've got to stop, right? So if this is put out, this truth is put out, then we've got to take it at face value. He quotes 1 Kings, and this is his main verse, 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 26 through chapter 13, 5. Now, you can look this up on your own, but in this, we see Jeroboam after the split of the nations. We have Judah going one way. We have uh, um, Israel going another. Jeroboam takes over Israel. He's worried. Some of you should know this. I mean, if you're Bible thumpers, you should know this. All right. But um, in, in Jeroboam's case, he's worried that they'll go back to Jerusalem to worship, which, by the way, was where God established the worship. So what Jeroboam does is he sets up two golden calves. And he says, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And then he sets up or ordains a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month. And he says here, now God, of course, sends a preacher or a man of God out of Judah by the, by the word of God onto Bethel. And, of course, you know the story. This man of God says, oh, altar, altar. He preaches against the altar. The altar craves, uh, caves. Jeroboam, uh, then that young preacher ends up getting eaten by a lion later on. Wonderful story in the word of God. But he says, this is all against this feast day that Jeroboam ordained in the eighth month. And because Jeroboam set up this feast day for the false calves, he says, we cannot set up a feast day at random to offer thanksgiving to God. And I literally am I'm giving it as he has given it. You just have to take my word for it. But I've got to say that there's a twisting of Scripture here. Because the first thing we see that Jeroboam does is he sets up two golden calves. And he says, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. So he's already set up idolatry, which is clearly against the Scripture. And when this young preacher shows up, he's not preaching against the feast day. He's preaching against the altar. Now, I think it's the feast day, right? Well, the feast day has already started wrong with two golden calves. He said, well, but, 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 but he can point to the pagans celebrating harvest. Yes, but that is not why the pilgrims celebrated Thanksgiving Day. In fact, he even has to admit that the pilgrims would have been unaware that there was a pagan background because the pilgrims were absolutely against anything pagan at all. They were against anything pagan. They did not celebrate Christmas. They wouldn't have anything to do with Easter, and rightly so. But they set up a day of thanksgiving. Now, his biggest argument is this, is that no man has the authority to set up his own day to give thanks unto God. Let me just say this right now. I'm not giving you a name, so it doesn't matter who he is. The point is, brethren, that's not necessarily Scripture. The Bible says this in Romans 14 and verse 4. For this New Testament age, listen to what the Bible says. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth, now listen carefully, one man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. What is the Bible giving liberty for? We have the right to set a day. To, for, if we want to set a special day to give gifts to each other or set a special day to give thanks unto the Lord. He says, we have that right to do so in this dispensation. We have that right. 
He said, if we do it, though, it's to be done unto the Lord. So if you're going to do this for golden calves, or you're going to do this for the world, or you're going to, well, I'm going to set a day aside where I can go ahead and just be immodest or eat gluttonously or do whatever I want to do. Listen, the day has to be set aside for God and God alone. That's Romans 14. Now, I've heard many argue, well, that's Jewish holidays that Paul is talking about. No, that is assumed that it is Jewish holidays. To suggest that that only refers to Jewish days is to add to the scriptures. It is adding to the Word of God. First of all, he is addressing Jews and Romans or Gentiles. Look at Romans chapter 1. He's not just addressing Jews, and he makes no distinction between a Jewish and another holiday in the chapter. And there's a reason for it. Because he's dealing with a day that a man esteems. And he allows the man, the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, speaking through the, uh, the Apostle Paul, allows the man to be fully persuaded in his mind on these days. So Thanksgiving Day, which, by the way, in its very terminology, is hardly a violation of Scripture. It's not bad because it's Thanksgiving. It's good to give thanks. Let me give you some more Scripture on that. So I, you the choir. Well, listen, if this guy is right and it's pagan, then we can't do it, right? But his reasoning and his logic behind this it's, it, it's, it's flawed in the fact that it's suggesting that if a pagan puts on a pair of pants, then it somehow must be wrong because pagans wear pants. And if a pagan eats food, then it has to be wrong because a pagan ate food. And if he calls his pair of pants the goddess of the Twin Towers, or whatever you want to call it, or the god of the Twin Towers... That doesn't make putting on a pair of pants wrong for a Bible believer. If you look at Romans chapter 14, he says, we know, that's knowledge, that nothing is unclean of itself. We put a lot of, thing, a lot of emphasis into uh, symbolism and what have you. More emphasis than even God does. Psalms 26 and verse 7, the Bible says that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Offer unto God thanksgiving in Psalms 50 verse 14 and pay thy vows unto the Most High. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise. Psalms 95 verse 2, uh, unto him with psalms. And I can just keep going. Psalms 104, uh, Psalms 107 verse 22, Psalms 116 verse 17, Psalms 147 verse 7, Psalms 100 verse 4, Psalms 1, verse 20, or Romans 1, 21, Colossians 3, 15. The Bible's clear that thanksgiving is a good thing. And just because a pagan offered thanksgiving on the third Thursday of the month to the pagan god corn doesn't make it wrong for us to offer thanksgiving to the Lord God on the third Thursday or the fourth Thursday of the month. Now, that's common sense reasoning. That's, I mean, folks, listen, we can even apply this to many of the practices that, we're, that, that are done during the holidays, like Easter. Well, you know, Easter bunny is pagan. No, a, a bunny is not pagan. It's not unclean of itself. Now, the practice may be pagan, but the bunny itself or a tree, a pine tree in your house does not make it pagan. Now, I don't put a tree in my house, but the practice, I understand there's a way of heathen there that we're not supposed to learn. But in and of itself, it cannot bring demons into your home. In and of itself, it cannot be, uh, it's, not, it's not something of the devil. So what about the two golden calves? Well, the calves themselves are not wrong. But when they called them the gods of anything, all of a sudden they became wrong. 
and they became wrong real fast. Thanksgiving is a Christian holiday. Its roots are Christian. So, well, about the, what about the Canadians? I don't know about the Canadians. I'm not a Canuck. I don't tell you, man. They play good hockey, eh? That's it. That's all I can say. But I know about this country, and I know about her. It's ho- it's holidays. I know that this holiday is worthy. It's worthy of celebrating, and I hope you'll do so. Hope to see you in church on Wednesday night as we give thanks unto the Lord. Melissa Roxanne comes up next. We, um, you don't want to miss it. New World Order Info. We'll see you next week. God bless you. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
welcome to New World Order Info, and I'm Melissa Roxanne. You're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen to AVR. And we have some great deals available on distillers, and you can find those on our website. And also, organic sulfur and both would make excellent gifts. So if you have any gifts to give anybody, think about that. Um, you know, both would be great for you and your loved one's health, uh, or whoever you'd like to give those gifts to. Um, always check with your doctor, of course, and everything. I have to say that for legal reasons. But anyway, we have very, really good deals, better deals than a lot of places. And, you know, you can save on shipping. Um, if you buy more than one pound of sulfur at a time, you're going to save $5 on each pound, as well as saving on shipping. And then, like I always tell you, you know, while supplies last, you can get a free LED light bulb if you buy four or more pounds of sulfur, you know, at a time. So don't forget that. And it is my live show tonight on Monday, November 30th, 2015. I hope you all had a a nice Thanksgiving, and uh, hopefully you got some time off and enjoyed that. So I've been giving you some information lately about uh, ways to make money, ways to make money from home, ways to make money various different ways and reselling and selling on eBay or Craigslist, etc. So I'm going to start out with some more of that tonight about things that you may not be aware of that you can sell on eBay or others are selling on eBay and, you know, making some extra money on. So I told you a few of those things like empty boxes and um, for different products like dolls or whatever, whatever it is, empty boxes, people may buy the used items and they may want the box and maybe when they bought the used items, wherever it was, it didn't come with the box. So if you have that box, you know, a lot of people are willing to pay for it. Some people will pay a lot of money for those. And some of these have sold for $85 as an example or, you know, around that that much money for just a box for a doll so that's something to think about and I would advise you know if you care about it or you think you might want to pass something down or sell something later maybe resell something you've bought you know it's good to keep the box it's going to make it worth more money and you know just you might want to get an extra item and keep it in the box and never even open it. And then, you know, that would be considered in mint condition as long as it is and you don't take it out of the box. It's going to be worth a lot more money than something that has been opened, has been taken out of the box, has been, you know, used or whatever. So if if a lot of people do that, they just buy it and then they keep it in the box. And, you know, antiques and things like that, people have done that with and, you know, some things could be a hundred years or more old, which is when it would be considered an antique. It, it would have to be a hundred years or more old in order to be considered an antique. And uh, if it's not that old, it, it's probably going to be considered vintage, you know, unless it's a pretty new item. But things from the 90s, even now, 
when you're talking about reselling them are considered vintage. Um, you know, and then there's the 70s, 60s, 50s, and on, you know, and, and everything in between and before that. But, you know, 100 years or more, it's an antique. Um, and they may even be considering things vintage that are, you know, 15 years old. I don't know. It could That could be a possibility. But people are looking for things from their childhood, you know, no matter your age. You're going to reminisce about your childhood and things you had. So those are things that are popular. Whatever you liked as a child, that's something that's probably popular. And, you know, you might want to look for those things just to have for yourself or to give to your grandchildren or whatever, your nieces and nephews or your children, um, or just to have for yourself or to resell or whatever. But those are things that are popular. Um, so depending on when you were born and when you grew up, you know, there's all kinds of different things that people resell or, you know, look for that they'd like to buy. And you may have one of those lying around from that you saved that you really don't care about anymore or whatever. Um, or you don't want to pass down and you decide you want to sell it. So you can look it up on eBay and see what it's going for and decide, you know, or do a search online and try to determine what it may be selling for, but um, like I always tell you, an easy way to, to see what things have sold for on eBay is just to go to ebay.com, E-B-A-Y.com, and then once you get to that page, you just look on the top of the page on the right-hand side, and in very small, very small font, you know, very small text size anyway, it's going to say advanced and it's a clickable blue link, a hyperlink. So you just click on advanced and then, you know, that would be a good page to bookmark, uh, to save in your favorites, etc. Once you get to the advanced page, to save that page in your favorites. And then you can easily just go to that page quickly. Um, and then, you know, you can look up items. You just put in the keywords you want to look for, the title of the item or whatever. And there's different things you can choose from, like, you know, use all these, look for all these words, you know, something to that effect. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but, um, or look for some of the words, you know, that you put in out, uh, into the search, etc. And you can specify if you want to look for the item, whether it be a new item, maybe you, you want to, um, maybe you have a brand new item and you want to see the worth of it, so you would click the, the new, you know, look for new items here. Or if it's a used item that you have lying around, or maybe you want to look up the worth of a new or a used item, so you check either one of those boxes. Um, and then another thing, you know, there's a lot of other things you can check to and specify, which I usually don't, but you can choose to do that or not. And then at the bottom pretty much of the page, it's going to say, you know, different things like, um, you know, look for the lowest price item um, with shipping or the lowest price or the highest price item with shipping, you know, so those are two different things. So if you're looking to get a good deal, you might want to go to the advanced section of eBay and look for the lowest price plus shipping. Maybe you don't want to fool with any kind of eBay auction. You just want to do the you know, buy it now thing. So, um, at the bottom it will say sort by, and there's best match, which I don't 
usually use. Then there's time ending soonest, and that is for eBay auctions that are ending the soonest, and then it's going to give you the ones ending the soonest at the top of the page, you know, when you're looking for, maybe you're looking for a good deal on something, and you do want to take advantage of an eBay auction or just see, you know, what they're currently, what the bids are going for, then you could look for time ending soonest. Um, you could look for sort by time newly listed, um, you know, I guess you could find the newest listings there. Um, and I don't ever use that one, but then there's price plus shipping lowest first. That's going to be at the top of the page. So if you're looking for a deal, you'll, it'll show you whatever the price is plus shipping and the total of that, whatever's the lowest price is going to be at the top of the page there. And then, uh, you know, the higher items will be on down and at the bottom would be the highest priced items. Um, or several pages, you know, it could be, you know, you'd have to go scroll through and at the end would be the highest priced items. And then there's price plus shipping highest first if you want to see what's the most something sold for. And these are going to be items sold in the last 90 days on eBay. So this will give you a good idea of what things are going for. Um, another thing you can sort by is distance nearest first so if you want to maybe look for an item that you can pick up locally instead of having it shipped to you and you just want to you know meet the seller and give them the money and then get the item that you bought from them locally you can choose that one or you might do that if you decide you have an item to sell and you want to just sell it you know in person locally and you could see if anybody in your area is selling that same item, maybe what it's going for, or, you know, how much competition you might have with that same item, etc. So you can uh, check that out, or maybe to try to find the worth of an item in your local area where people are going to, you know, pick it up in person. Um, and it's also used um, the, the sell it, you know, local pickup only. That's that's used a lot of times by people if they have a heavy item that would cost a lot of money to ship. Although I have found that a lot of people are making money online and they're selling heavy items. They're selling hand-painted furniture, for example. Maybe that, you know, it could be a vintage item. It could be an antique item. Sometimes people even paint those, you know. Or it could be something that they just buy and don't do anything to in their reselling but you know if it's something people want to buy there's people out there that are willing to pay sometimes a hundred two hundred three hundred whatever for shipping and they'll get it shipped you know by freight a lot of the time there's also shipping can be done by Greyhound buses uh, sometimes depending on the item and how big it is that could be a cheap way to ship something and just in case you weren't aware of doing that and they'll ship it to like your local Greyhound bus station. So sometimes people use that, but those are just some different ways, uh, you know, to have items shipped. Um, and a lot of times the seller will say, you know, you have to, you know, I'll sell you the item, but it's up to you to get your own shipping, you know, through a freight company, you know, which would be a truck, you know, a big truck or something. 
and you might have to make all the arrangements. Other times the seller may be willing to make the arrangements for you. Uh, you know, it all depends. And I'm not talking just eBay. I'm talking, you know, other places to sell things too. So, um, I know I've seen things on Etsy.com and Etsy, in case you haven't heard of it, a lot of people have heard of it, but they have different things for sale there. A lot of uh, hand-painted items are for sale there, um, hand-sewn, you know, things like that, handmade items. Those are very popular, and people like to sell those on Etsy. Um, they sell them on eBay, too, but I think you find a lot more, I think, brand-new items or maybe items made in China and things like that will also be sold on eBay. Whereas more of the the vintage antique hand painted type stuff is going to be sold on Etsy, although I think they do allow you to sell new things there too. But anyway, um, I don't know if it's true or not. I read that eBay is kind of trying to push people to sell more things that are not antiques, vintage, collectible type things. They're, they'd rather just deal with people selling things that are just brand new items or, you know, whatever. So, less of the antique, vintage, collectible type or handmade items. I, I don't know if that's true. I read that that's what eBay is, you know, going for or something. But, but right now, they're still allowing people to sell on eBay vintage, antique, and collectibles, as well as new things and used things, etc. Handmade things or whatever. Um... And there's a lot more places to look, you know, um, for things to buy or sell. Um, and another one that I found is um, TIAS.com, and that's T-I-A-S.com. So T is in Tom, I is in Ice, A as in Apple, S as in Sam. Dot com, and that's um, internet. The internet antique shop is what that stands for. T S T I A S. So that's another place you know you might want to look or sell things or buy things. You know if you're interested in antiques and vintage items and collectibles and stuff like that. So that's a really popular place. There's there's lots more out there, but those are some of the big ones. That I found. So, um, anyway, and then on eBay, the last thing, you know, there's the distance nearest first. If you're looking for an item close to you that is for sale or maybe that has sold in the last 90 days, you can go to the advanced section and see what sold in your area if there is anything like that in the last 90 days. There may not be anything, you know. Um, so that might be something that maybe something didn't sell that you're looking for to see what it sold for, but you can you don't have to necessarily look for only if it sold in your local area. You can just go see what it sold for on eBay itself in the last 90 days. And then there's Best Match. That's the last choice you can sort by. Okay, we'll be back and talk more about things selling on eBay and elsewhere on the other side, so don't go anywhere. We are young.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earthquake, the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net. www.lamarzuli.net. These are the Days of Chaos.
Welcome back to New World Order Info, and I'm Melissa Roxanne. You're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And it is my live show tonight on Monday, November 30th, 2015. So I was giving you some info about places to sell different things or maybe buy different things and how to look up and see how much an item has sold for on eBay in the last 90 days. I've told you that before, but just a reminder, or in case you didn't hear me talk about that before, that's something really simple to do, and it will give you, you know, a whole long list of things, or sometimes it may give you zero results, but a lot of times I've found that it does give you, you know, a good many results. Uh, Rarely, maybe I've not found something I was looking for that sold in the last 90 days, but anyway, so you can go to the advanced section of eBay, like I told you, just go to ebay.com, and then once you get to eBay, you just uh, look over at the top right, and you'll see advanced, and it's just a little tiny text, um, you know, like 10-point text or something probably it looks like. And it's a hyperlink, it's a blue hyperlink, meaning you can click on it and it will take you to a new page. And then that new page is going to be eBay Advanced Search. So you can bookmark that, you know, you could put it into your links bar, which is what I like to do. I like to put things in my links bar, and I I use Firefox. and so you can put all these links there, and, and if you're not familiar with doing that and how to do it, it's really simple. You just you can uh, look for whatever it is you'd like to put in your links, and um, where your address bar is, where you would type in an internet address, you know, a URL. Um, where it's like www.ebay.com, whatever, you know, like this advanced search page. Um, On this one, there's like a globe, and that's going to be in front of the www that you have in your address bar. So what you do is you just um, right-click on your mouse, and you drag that globe down uh, below your address bar, and that's going to be... In the blue section, it's a blue in mine anyway, but, and then that will put that there as a link, and so that's called your links bar, L-I-N-K-S bar, and, you know, it'll appear on your computer screen, and it will be, you know, there'll be whatever sites you're looking at, and then under that, you know, in mine it's tabs. Um, and then under that, it's your internet, you know, URL address bar that will say the website you're on or whatever. So if the website that you're going to has a little, I don't know what to call it, but whatever it is, next to the www to the left of that, you can drag and drop that, you know, onto your taskbar, and that will you know, drag it down into your links bar actually is what you want to do. So, if you don't understand what I'm saying, you might want to look up, you know, Firefox or something like that, links bar, and and see how to do that. But anyway, then you can just easily click on that, 
and it has room for however many you can rename them because it's going to give you a long name a lot of the time you know it's going to put a long name up in your links bar so what I do is a lot of times I just right click on my mouse and choose rename or I think that's what I do sometimes it's properties you can do that and rename stuff but anyway so then you can just you know instead of it saying American Voice Radio you can shorten it to AVR you know if it's Google um, it'll put a G automatically so for that one, I don't put any name. I just let that G appear that already appears anyway. Um, so some sites, you know, will have a little something like that, and you won't even have to really, if you remember the G means Google, there's no reason to rename it. So anyway, that's what I do. I like to use my links bar. And then you can just easily click on stuff like your eBay advanced search page. You know, you can just go to your links bar, click on it, and bring it right up. You know, or you could save it as a bookmark in your favorites. Uh, your favorite, you could make a folder for it. You know, you could, um, if you're interested in, in keeping track of what stuff sold for, you know, what you could do is you could, um, you could go to eBay Advanced Search, search for whatever it is, and once you find what you're looking for and, and what it sold for in the last 90 days, you could do file save as and start saving these pages you know in folders and labeling them okay here's um, you know a piece of fine china a cup and saucer and and the name of it on the bottom you know whoever the maker is or whatever the manufacturer whatever it is you know a book uh, whatever and you can see you know keep track okay from this date to this date, here's the name of the item, and here's my folder, and then you can just start saving those, and, and maybe if you, like, go to town or something or whatever, and you're finding items, and you're trying to see, okay, well, here's this item that I found, I want to see what it sold for, maybe you don't want to waste your data, you know, or something, um, you can just look at look it up in the folder you saved you know without even being online if you have your computer your laptop or whatever with you so you could do that um, that's just another idea um, that way you can keep track of prices what things are selling for without even having to go online or maybe you can't get online maybe you're somewhere you know in a store or something and you can't connect to the internet somehow you could already have it pre-saved that way onto your laptop or tablet or whatever. So that's another thing you could do. Um, and so that those are just certain things, you know, ways to find out what things sold for on eBay. Um, so I'm just going to put something in here um, and see what it went for. I'm just going to put in cast iron, okay. I don't know, it seems like I look up that a lot when I'm on the air anyway. But, so I'm just putting in cast iron on eBay advanced search. And I'm going to look in all categories. I could go to antiques, you know. Um, but that would mean it technically, truthfully, should be 100 years old or more, okay. That doesn't mean it's going to always be that way because... I've found a lot of people sell things, they claim it's an antique or they'll have, have antique, you know, in the title, and it won't even be 100 years old. So you can't really, you know, be sure 
just because somebody says it's an antique doesn't mean it is. So they could just be saying that out of ignorance. They could be saying it, you know, because everybody kind of does that. And they feel like, you know what, no, my item isn't 100 years old, but everybody else is saying it's an antique and their item is just the same age as mine, so I'm going to put it too, you know. So you have to be aware of that. Um, but I'm just going to look for all categories. I'm going to just go to sold listings because you can search including title and description. You could search including completed listings or you could search including sold listings. Completed listings, from what I understand, is going to give you things that have sold and have not sold that people listed on eBay, but maybe they listed it whether it was on you know, buy now, buy it now, or whether it was a, an auction, it may or may not have sold. And I find it's difficult to tell what has sold and what has not. When you look under completed listings, I don't know if there's some kind of way to tell, but if there is, it's hard a lot of times to tell to me. So I've been just going to sold listings, um, and that will give you ones that actually sold and it will give you the date they sold, the seller's name, the name of the item, what it sold for, you know, and things like this. You can also click on see original listing or sometimes, you know, once you just click on that and you want to see a specific item that sold in the last 90 days that came up on your eBay advanced search page, you can just scroll down once you click on that item and it will just show you the original listing and it will show you the pictures if they listed any pictures you know they, they included pictures and that's going to be your best bet to sell something if the more pictures you have that are good quality pictures with good lighting and um, you know a lot of people make like a little photo booth which I don't think is that difficult I actually am going to try doing this myself um, and for instance, here's how simple it could be to make one. Um, you could get some really cheap materials. If you want to take pictures of items to sell, or you just want to take pictures of something and put it on your blog or your web page or something, your website, and you want to take a good picture of something, you know, um, and have it show up really well, and may say, okay, well, I collect such and such and I want to show people my collection. Let's just say maybe you're not even going to sell anything, but you just want it to look good in the picture. Well, you could make a little photo booth. And there's huge photo booths people make in their garages, you know, that are really big. And then there's small ones people make, you know, and there's sizes in between. So I don't have it in front of me. I'm just doing this, you know, from what I remember. But for instance, you could make a photo booth to photograph items that maybe you want to take a picture of and have it show up and look nice and let's just say you're going to photograph fine china and a lot of times that's going to be white you know maybe with a pattern or something so you might want to do like a black background with that and you could get something as simple as some foam core board a lot of time that's going to be white so you know you do something like that it's cheap and you could get some and put that as the background and then you could have 
you know, a couple of more pieces for the sides, kind of make like a one that has a back and two sides, you know, left and right. And you might want to tape them together in the back, or if you can buy one that has the two sides and the back, you could do that. So you'd want to use black. Um, if you can find the black, uh, black foam core board, if you can't find it, what you could do is um, get some black um, poster board. And I found it, you know, at least in our area at Dollar Tree, they have it for 50 cents a piece for the the um, the poster board in black or white and various colors. If you go to Walmart, it's going to cost you a buck a piece, and at uh, Dollar Tree in our area anyway, it's it's half that price. It's 50 cents each. So anyway, you could get some black um, poster board, um, and then you could put that, you know, on top of your white foam core board, and that could be your background for anything that's white, or that would show up good against the black background. And then the same thing for the sides, you know, that you kind of hinge together in the back with tape or something, or just, you know, if you can find something that comes with back, the back and two sides. Okay, so if you're photographing something white, you'd want to use the black background. And then if you can find, and I haven't been able to, some black wrapping paper, you know, just plain black wrapping paper or some kind of paper. I know certain people use craft paper, um, different things like that, and that's usually like a tan color. But, you know, if you could find some black wrapping paper or something like that, you could kind of put it on top. I'm talking vertically. You stand up your poster board or your foam core board or your poster board with foam core behind it. And then on the top, the very top of that, you're going to set that up vertically on a table or something. Um, you you take your either black fabric, okay, or you take your roll of black paper, wrapping paper or whatever it is. Any kind of black thing on a roll would work. You don't want it to be wrinkly, you know, so if it's fabric, you're going to want to iron it well and get all the wrinkles out. That's why it's easier to use paper, I think. And then you can just tear off paper if it becomes wrinkled, see? And you're not going to have any lines. You're not going to have any seams if you photograph it right and you use the black paper or white paper, you know, if you're using a white background. So then you just kind of put it on top and let it fall down onto the table, okay? And you don't want to make a seam. You don't want to make a crease in it. You just kind of want to let it lie without any wrinkles or creases and all that because you don't want to have to Photoshop it out, you know. And a lot of people do. They just, they just uh, you know, leave all the wrinkles, creases, or wherever something comes together and then they just Photoshop it out. But that's going to take a lot more time. Every time you take a picture, you're going to have to do it. So if you can avoid doing that, you're going to save yourself a lot of time and headaches and all that, you know, with just editing. So... And then, so you just lay that down and you put your item on top of that black, you know, paper. Let's just say if you can find some, if you're blessed enough to find some, which I haven't been able to yet, but I've been thinking, you know, just get some fabric or something. So you could do that. Um, 
so, you know, you might be able to just use a piece of poster board, too. But anyway, and then on the sides, what you can do is you can um, get some, some kind of transparent paper that, um, trying to think of what, tracing paper would work. And so let's just say you have foam core board as your sides, okay? This is not going to show up in the picture. You're not going to photograph this, but it's more for lighting purposes. So then on the side, you cut out a, like a rectangle or whatever the size of the, the paper, the copy copy paper, which, which really is... Um, tracing paper, okay? You go to your office supply store or your craft store or even Walmart a lot of times carries this and you just get a pack of tracing paper and it comes bound together and it will cost you $2 and change, okay? Usually at Walmart. Um, it'll be higher on at office supply stores probably or craft stores. It may be $3.70 to $4 or so, 5 bucks, okay? And then you just get a piece of that tracing paper and you put it where you've cut out on the side panels you cut out something around the sides a little smaller than that tracing paper and you tape it to the back of the foam core board or to the back of whatever it is if you're using a poster board or whatever you're cutting out like a little window and in that little window you're putting your copy you know, your tracing paper is actually what it's called. It's just a thin paper that's transparent enough that you can lie it down on something and trace over it and maybe put a sheet of um, carbon paper underneath it, you know, so that, you know, for tracing purposes and stuff like that. But anyway, you just want it so that you can put a light on each side of your photo booth and I'm not positive about this, but I think somebody that was had done this and got these tips from a professional photographer, um, they have their own website and stuff, and they wanted to take pictures, and, and so they found that their pictures turned out a lot better by doing this. So they suggested you're going to use a warm light and a cool light, one on each side, and I'm thinking, but I could be wrong, one of them is an LED light, and the other one could be a fluorescent light, but I could be wrong. So <laughs> I'll have to look it up and, and tell you. But anyway, you're using two different kinds of lights. So you have the warm and the cool light sources. And so you just have to kind of rig something up, you know. You might have, I don't know, a way to do it, or you have the perfect kind of light. And maybe one of those clamp-style lights that people use you know, a lot of times outside to work on their vehicle or something like that would work. I don't know. So you can maybe get a couple of those or use some lamps or something. And you're going to want to point the lights towards, you know, your your tracing paper so that they shine through that window that you cut out in your foam core board. And you put your tracing paper in. Instead of, like, glass in a window, you put tracing paper there. So that lets the light, you know, come through. And uh, that should help um, to sh make your item show up well. And you might find out you have to have an overhead light, too. So, you know, just kind of 
experiment with it and you might want to look it up and type in some keywords that I've used, you know, photo booth, uh, photographing items for sell or reselling and see if you can find all these instructions but that's the basic thing and then you can just take your pictures and all that and they should come out a lot better okay so we'll be back and talk more about selling and different things on the other side so stick around
saw it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
back on. Okay, I think I'm back on the air now. I'm just going to start all over. So, welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne. It's my live show tonight on Monday, November 30th, 2015. And you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. So, I was telling you about how to make your own light box, uh, a different way to have, you know, to photograph items to make it an inexpensive backdrop and, you know, to have the lighting done correctly and everything like that. So I was just doing that from off the top of my head, but now I pulled up a page where I read the information from a, a long time ago. So I'll just give it to you, you know, step by step um, and in a little bit more detail. So um, this, this was all from a professional photographer that gave these tips um, to somebody else that had a website and so they wanted to share them with other people. So this is a little tabletop light studio and that way you know you don't have to worry about getting out in the weather you know whether it's raining or sleeting or snowing or cloudy or whatever you know so you don't have to worry about any of that. It will be indoors where hopefully you have heat or air conditioning or whatever you need, and it's just a lot easier. Um, maybe you have chickens and roosters or animals or whatever that will drive you crazy while you're trying to take your pictures, so, you know, or your children are playing outside and they're going to bug you. So this way you could have your own little room and, you know, put it on a tabletop and have a little place you know, maybe make a little room or something in your house and have a place to photograph things. Um, whether you're going to try to resell them or you just want to make them look nice for your website or 
wherever you want to post them online or you just want to have a nice background for whatever it is you want to take a picture of, you know, and frame it or something like that. So you can make a little tabletop light studio and have a lot better control of your lighting and, you know, making the item show up the best that you're photographing. You might even be able to photograph your pets, you know, with this kind of backdrop or something like that. So there's a lot of different things you could use it for. Um, and they do that, you know, if you go to a photography studio and you have your pet with you or maybe you have a little baby, they'll have, they'll have like some carpet and different things, you know, the sheets, you know, and, and big sheets or whatever, big um, pieces of canvas or whatever the case may be. And they'll do the same kind of thing, you know, to make the focus be on your child, your baby, your pet or whatever. And a lot of times they'll just have a little piece of carpet or something for the baby to lie on, and they might put a little blanket over your baby's head or something like that. And maybe you could bring a toy, you know, to have your baby hold or whatever. So there's different things you could use this kind of little setup for, you know, and you could make different, you know, this is just one idea that you could think of other ideas to photograph different things with, okay? You're not going to want to put your baby up on a table, of course, because I'm just saying this is the kind of thing that professional photographers are going to do in a studio and all that. But people are doing this in their own home and taking really good pictures. Um, so what you need is just some tracing paper. You can usually get, like, a pad of that. It might come in 100 sheets. Um, so you need a 100-sheet pad of tracing paper. And the one here shows that it's 14 inch by 17 inch tracing paper. So, you know, they might come in different sizes, but that's the one they're showing here to get. Then they're advising to get three foam boards, which I think they're foam core boards, they're also called. And those are the 30 inch by 40 inch foam core boards. So you want to get three of those. And they're white in this case, but you may want to look for some black ones too to have a black background because things that are like white, for instance, will show up good against the black background. Things that are black or darker colors are going to show up probably better against a white background. So you might want to get both, you know, types of the foam core boards and the white and the black. So you might want to get six, three of the white ones and three of the black ones, okay? But they're just giving an example of how to do it with white. Um, and then white poster board, I would get a couple of sheets of that at least. You know, you might want to get a few more. But so white poster board, just regular poster board that you can get for like 50 cents at Dollar Tree or a buck or so at Walmart. And then you're going to need some clothespins, just regular clothespins like the wooden ones. Um, they say two, but you might want to get a few more, you know. They're cheap. You can get like a hundred of those at Dollar Tree for like a buck probably. Or fifty, who knows, you used to could get a hundred. Maybe now you only get half that much or something for the same price. But anyway, they're really cheap. You can get them all over the place, Walmart or whatever. Then you're going to need two sheets of that tracing paper. Or maybe you could buy it somewhere and just buy a couple of sheets, you know, because that's really all you're going to need. Unless you're going to make more than one 
little photo booth, you know, or photography light studio setup. So you need at least two of those. You might want to just get a pad and have extra ones so you can make more you know, of these elsewhere or something. Then you're going to need an X-Acto knife. You can get those at Dollar Tree. I don't know if you have a Dollar Tree in your area, but I find they have a lot of different things. They're really cheap, and you know, a lot of times you can save money just by going there and looking for things. Um, not always, because sometimes they're not as cheap as different grocery stores or wherever, um, Walmart or different stores where they have different items. They're going to be, you know, a lot of times they will be cheaper and sometimes they won't be, but you're going to need an X-Acto knife, you know, with the blade and everything, um, or a box cutter knife, something like that you could use. Um, you can get the box cutter knives, I know, at Dollar Tree, and I think they come with different blades, you know, like extra blades for a dollar. So that's a good, good deal to go there for. Tracing paper, I, I don't think they have tracing paper. I think I've looked for that at Dollar Tree and they don't have it. But you might have a dollar store in your area that does have it, or a Fred's, or a Family Dollar, something like that. I don't know if they carry it. You could look there. But Walmart has it for like $2 and change um, for the pad of tracing paper. Then you're going to need a metal ruler. You're going to need some scissors. You're going to need some packing tape or some kind of tape anyway, but they say packing tape you could use. So like a roll of that. Then you're going to need a roll of white craft paper. And I would also maybe, if you wanted to do a black background, look for a roll of black craft paper or some kind of black wrapping paper. You could look at um, Dollar Tree. I don't know if you'd be able to find it. I haven't been able to find any black paper. I did find some white wrapping paper you might want to just use. That's a, a dollar at Dollar Tree. You might have to cut it because it might be too long to use, you know, kind of width-wise. So you might want to cut it or something like that. Um, and then you're going to need two lamps, and you can use what I suggest is a clamp style, like when you're working on something outside, like your vehicle, those cheap clamp lights you can get um, all over the place at home improvement stores or, you know, Lowe's and uh, different places like that, uh, hardware stores. Um, and you probably, I'm sure Harbor Freight has those too, really cheap. They're they can't be more than five to ten dollars or so. So you need two of those or a bare bulb lamp. You'll you'll need two bare bulb lamps without shades. Okay. And then I was wrong. I said an LED and an uh, I think a fluorescent bulb. But what really you're gonna need is a compact fluorescent light bulb, which I don't like at all because they're very dangerous if they get broken and they shatter, they have mercury in them. But that's what they're they're saying to use here. So you would need just to be careful so that doesn't happen, you know, because it could be very toxic to you and your your loved ones, your animals, etc. if that does break. So make sure that doesn't happen and if it ever does happen, you want to know ahead of time how to deal with it. So I would be looking up instructions on what to do if that does happen because you have to clean it up a certain way to be as safe as possible. So 
you know, look it up, bookmark it, print it out or something in case it happens and then have all the materials you need to clean it up. And don't do like some lady did at the paint section of Lowe's that I talked to. I think Frank and I were there one day and she told us that she just smashes the compact fluorescent light bulbs up and, and throws them in an old, you know, dog food bag and just takes them to the dump or puts them in her garbage. So that's terrible because, you know, all that mercury is going to seep into the ground. I'm sure a lot of people are doing that, though, because they don't make it easy to dispose of those when they no longer work or they do break or something, and people are contaminating the environment like crazy and the water table and all those things. So you don't want to do that. But you'll need a compact fluorescent or a CFL, also known as light bulb. And then you'll need an incandescent light bulb, and that's going to provide you with the the warm lighting and the cool lighting. So that's why you need one of each of those. Okay, so then you cut your two sheets of the foam board or the foam core board in half along the 40-inch side, and then you cut a window slightly smaller than the tracing paper into the two boards on the sides, you know, you'll have one on the left and one on the right side, and then you'll have the back piece that you'll photograph. So really you're not going to be photographing the sides of this foam core board, but you're just using that to make the little window. You'll take the X-Acto knife and you'll, or the box cutter, or whatever kind of knife you have, I guess you might try to use and see if that'll work, and probably will. Um, and you cut your window slightly smaller than the tracing paper, one sheet of tracing paper, into those two boards on the sides with the knife. And then you just tape the tracing paper from the back side of the foam core board over each window. Okay, so you'll have like a transparent window there. And you're going to shine your light behind this tracing paper so that it shines through and lights up whatever it is you're photographing. And so then you tape the two window boards onto one board in between the two. That's going to be the board in the back. You put your tape on the outside of the light studio, meaning the back of everything, so the glare off the shiny tape won't be visible. And then you set the trifold boards on top of the uncut third foam core board. And you might not do it exactly like they're saying here, but anyway, just to give you a, a rough idea of how to do this. So you're going to want a, a big piece of foam core board for the bottom. So you put that on your tabletop, and then you can lie, you can lay down your item on top of that to photograph it. And then you're going to have seams showing where these foam core boards meet, you know, because you're going to have one behind standing up vertically as your backdrop and then you're going to have the two on the sides with you know big windows cut out with the large um, tracing paper which is pretty big um, you know so these are they're showing quite large um, windows cut out on the sides and then the tracing paper is 14 inch by 17 inch so your window is going to be a little smaller than 14 inches by 17 inches to 
fit your tracing paper and, and tape that into the windows. And then you're going to, so you'll have kind of like three hinged together of the foam core, and they're all vertical, you know. And then you have your two windows on the side and your backdrop, and then one underneath on top of your tabletop. Okay, so then you take your poster board, and they don't say how many, but it looks like one sheet here, but it looks so large. I don't know, you might have to use at least two, maybe just two. But they're acting like, you know, they just say poster board, and it looks like just one piece, but it's huge, so I would just get two and tape them together or whatever. And you arch the poster board over the top of the light studio, and you use the clothespins to secure onto the sides of the foam core board. So you're just kind of making a U shape, an upside down U shape on top of it all. Um, so it's going to just go on top of your, your light box. And this will give you more headroom to take downward shots of your subject matter. You know, so you kind of put it in the first several inches of the top of your foam core board. You're going to use your clothespins and attach it like that so that it kind of makes like an overhead arch, you know, and then you can leave a gap in the back where the backdrop uh, foam core board is that, you know, you're going to be pointing your camera at and you feed your roll of paper through and they're saying white craft paper, a roll of white craft paper. Don't ask me where you're going to get that because I haven't even found it myself, but you could use wrapping paper, just white wrapping paper. So that's what they do, and then if the paper gets dirty or the paper gets wrinkled or whatever, they just tear it off and, you know, have a big, large roll of that so that they can easily just pull it out and, you know, have it wrinkle-free and use it for the next photograph or whatever. Okay, and then you let the roll hide behind this whole studio setup. And if you have a big roll of craft paper, craft paper, you can tear off any that gets marked, creased, or dirty, like I said. Um, so you might want to use black paper and all of the materials, you know, black, black foam core board, or maybe if you don't have black foam core board, you could just use regular white foam core board and then put black um, poster board on top of it to make, you know, everything look black and then get a roll of black paper or maybe black um, material of some kind and make sure it's wrinkle free, you know, like iron at first. So, And then that way, when you put your paper or your, your, um, whatever it is, your paper or your material, you don't want to make a crease in it, you just want to let it lie, you know, so that it doesn't make any creases or lines or anything like that. Okay, so you just kind of let it, let it lie there, so you don't have to Photoshop out any of these creases or lines coming together and all that stuff. That's the, the whole object. Then you line the lamps up on either side of the tracing paper windows, so they'll be pointing through the tracing paper windows. You keep an inch or so between the paper and the lights, 
replacement, you know, the clamp style lights would be easy and cheap to get. So you could clamp them and then just have them an inch or so between the paper and the lights. And then you, to get more natural color lighting, use the one compact fluorescent light bulb and one incandescent light bulb and the warm and the cool will balance each other out and the author here says you may still have to play with your photo color temperature in a photo editing program but this will get you closer to a good mid-range white so you know you could choose to do that or not you could just try it with whatever light bulbs you have lying around and if it doesn't look good you could go out and do what they say and get one compact fluorescent light bulb and one incandescent if you're not happy with the way yours looks with whatever you have on hand. Um, so that's that and then you know that's that's pretty much it. You just set up your subject and then snap away and what you're going to do is you're going to have no crease in the paper. You're going to just let it kind of come through the top and the backdrop and just lie onto the tabletop. And then on top of that white craft paper is where you're going to put your object to be photographed. And then you're just going to take your pictures. And the more pictures the better. I mean, if it's something you're looking to resell, or maybe you're posting on your blog, you might want to take several pictures, you know. And so, of course, if it is something to resell, you're going to want to show the condition of the item, so you're going to want to take some good close-ups of the item, and, you know, get in close, and sometimes people put, like, a quarter next to it so you can see the size of the item, or they might put a ruler. Um, instead of having to tell everybody exactly the size of the item, they'll just put a ruler and take the picture with a ruler or a yardstick or whatever the case may be so that you can see the width of the item, the height of the item, the length of the item, whatever. So you might want to do that too. And point out any flaws. You might want to point to the flaw if, if it has any. People do that a lot of times. So that people get an idea it's not perfect, here's what's wrong with it, and it shows up real good. Okay, we'll be back with more on the other side on New World Order Info, so don't go anywhere.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system.
welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne. You're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And it is my live show tonight, the last part of it, on Monday, November 30th, 2015. So I was giving you some ways to make a photography light studio setup if you'd like to take pictures of different things and you know this is a cheap way to do it on a tabletop in a small area in your home or maybe you have you know a shed that has um, electricity or maybe you have an old camper you could use people are doing things like this and you know kind of remaking them into studios for artwork or you know Maybe if you're a painter, an artist, or if you just want to have a room to do hobbies in, or whatever. Um, or just to take pictures like this for items you may be interested in selling, or maybe you are an artist and you want to photograph your artwork. There's so many different ways, you know, that you could utilize this. You know, you could take pictures of things and, and frame them and sell them. Just the pictures you could sell. So, um, there's lots of things you could use this for, and like I said, you could use a, a room in your home, you could use an, a shed that you, you know, want to convert into a studio, or whatever the case may be. You could use an old camper. People are buying old campers really cheap, maybe that are just gutted, or they're gutting them, or the, whatever, or they're taking out the furniture and stuff like that and they're just using them as a home office. I mean, there's all kind of different things you could do and different ideas you could you could find online for these different things. Um, so they're finding cheap ways to have extra, you know, square footage to do things. Maybe your home, you know, isn't big enough and these are some ideas you might want to think about too. Um, so when you make this DIY, you know, photography light studio setup. If you want to find, easily find the instructions on how to do this and go to the place where I gave you the instructions from, um, you could just type into a search engine in quotes DIY, meaning do it yourself, abbreviated DIY photography light, L I G H T, studio. S-T-U-D-I-O set S-E-T up U-P so it's D-I-Y for do it yourself photography light studio set up okay and you're going to find it these instructions are going to be on the website called prettyhandygirl.com prettyhandygirl.com so that's where you'll find that posted and it gives you pictures, it gives you the list that you need for all the items and I'm thinking a lot of people might want to use this, you know, because, you know, you may have a lot of different ideas or just start brainstorming different ideas why you might want to use this, but I think it's a very cheap, uh, easy to do, you know, anybody could make this pretty much, even a child I think almost could do this, you know, for a certain age, um, maybe with some help from adult, an adult, but 
It's really cheap to do, easy, inexpensive, easy to find the materials, and then, you know, you could do things like turn off one of those lights on either side for some drama. Um, it's the perfect setup for photographing small things like little rings and jewelry or antique or vintage bottles, you know, whatever it is. Uh, there's so many different things you could easily photograph and whatever it is you want to sell you know and if it's something like a larger item you might try to make a bigger uh, photography you know light studio setup maybe you might want to just get some fabric like you could easily use canvas drop cloth those are cheap you could go to any kind of van you know hardware store Lowe's or home improvement store etc and get those so, you know, you could you could even paint those, I'm sure. You could uh, spray paint or just paint, you know, with a foam core brush or whatever. You could paint it the color you want it if you don't like the color that, you know, it comes as. Um, but that's just a, an idea I'm thinking of. You know, you could use the, the drop cloths that are made out of canvas and get those really cheap. And Or, hey, you might just use a tarp. You can get those really cheap, too, and a lot of times you can get those white, white tarps. You might look for that. Uh, I don't know if they have white ones at, like, Walmart or Lowe's or hardware stores, but I think you might could find one at Harbor Freight. I don't know. You can look online and see or call them and ask them and see if they have it, if there is a Harbor Freight in your area or if you could have it shipped to you or whatever. But, you know, those are going to have creases and wrinkles in them, so I don't know how well the tarp idea might work. Um, but I know that you could easily iron before you paint it, if you decide you do want to paint it. Um, the drop cloth made out of canvas, you could iron the wrinkles out of that. Um, so those are just some ideas. You could even use something to make the maybe to keep wrinkles from coming you know back into it you you might look in a fabric store for something that can make it kind of um, wrinkle free and stiffen it you know to keep the wrinkles out I think there's a product called I'll have to look for it but I'm I don't want to tell you the wrong thing let's see if I can find it real quick here um, but anyway, there should be a prod, uh, product at craft stores that can do that. Um, okay, it is. It's called Stiffy. It's a fabric stiffener. I've used that years ago, but it's called, it's by Plaid, P-L-A-I-D, and it's Craft Stiffy Fabric Stiffener. Okay, you can get it on Amazon.com or look online. You can get it at Joanne's Fabrics. You could get it at Michael's probably. I'm sure they have it. Um, Craft Warehouse should have it. Walmart probably has it. And it would be in the craft section. If you go to Walmart and yours has a decent craft section, you could look there. So, you know, good luck if you ask an employee where to find it, but I would just go straight to the craft section and um, just look for it. It's called Stiffy Fabric Stiffener. And that could probably help you to 
avoid having wrinkles in your fabric if you do use fabric, you know, and maybe if you want to paint your fabric. Because if you don't paint it and you just have a canvas drop cloth, you could always iron it. But once you paint it white, then, you know, you're not going to probably be able to iron. I mean, I guess you could iron on top of painted fabric, but I don't know. Uh, even if you put a sheet in between the iron and the painted uh, fabric, but anyway. So you could do that. And so that that's a different, you know, thing you could do. And you could easily, if you want to store away, you know, store your studio, studio that you made, your photo studio, your kind of photography light studio setup, you could store it away easily. You know, you just basically fold everything up, fold one side forward and one side back, and then you can just easily store it away in a closet or something if you need to. So, you know, just put whatever few materials that you need away and then get it out. Or just leave it out and leave it in a place if you if you can do it would be the easiest way. But either way, it's easy to store, the materials are inexpensive, and you're probably going to find you're taking much better photos with better composition and lighting by doing this so so that's an idea and again you can just look for um, look online in the search engine for DIY photography light studio setup and go to pretty handy girl dot com p-r-e-t-t-y-h-a-n-d-y-g-i-r-l dot com for the DIY photography light studio setup so I just thought that was something interesting and that I'm going to try and I've got, I have bought most of the materials to do it. I haven't gotten them all. Um, I don't know whether I'll get some clamp style lights. I think we probably have, I think I might have gotten some a long time ago anyway, but if not, I might try some lamps or something that I have without shades. So. And I might have to get the bul the bulbs, you know, that she suggests. So, other than that, um, I'm still looking for some of the white craft paper and the black craft paper. But anyway, um, and I don't have black foam core board. All I have is black, uh, just poster board. So, anyway, so that's an idea you might want to try and you know, that way you can end up taking a lot better pictures of things and, you know, if you decide to resell them or just frame them with a nice mat and you can get, you know, things like that. You can look for inexpensive um, frames and things like that at, at thrift stores and a lot of people are buying those and then turning them into chalkboards, for example, and then you know, that's kind of a fad thing that a lot of people love to have is chalkboards. I'm talking not just kids nowadays, but adults. You know, women, I'm sure even men, you know, a lot of them w wouldn't mind having a chalkboard. And so you could get a big, huge frame at a thrift store. I mean, I've seen huge ones that would take up your whole wall where you could get a very nice frame, you know, framing an old print or something. I mean, and I've seen them probably 10 or 15 feet wide. You could buy for like $15. You know, it just depends. Sometimes it's going to cost you a lot more. You might just be blessed enough to find it cheap like that. I, 
you know, saw one once that I would like to have that was $15, and it was about 15 feet wide probably and several feet tall, you know. So that would make a fantastic, you know, chalkboard. You can get some chalkboard paint. You can find that at Lowe's or something if you want to do that or make it for your children's room or whatever. You can make a nice size chalkboard. You can put it in your office, you know, to write on. Um, they have them now where you can, you could use different kinds of paint and make that chalkboard. Um, you know, the paint for chalkboard paint, you could do that. You can make them magnetic. You could make uh, a white board where you can use those whiteboard markers so that you wipe on and, you know, erase with a, a an eraser. So there's lots of different things you could do. And you could just get a nice frame from a thrift store to, to frame it with or just frame it with some inexpensive molding or something from a hardware store. So there's all kind of things you could do. But anyway, so, so those are some different ideas you might want to try. And I told you I was going to look up something on the advanced section of eBay, so I did. I just typed in cast iron. And so it's. I looked for the highest price, price plus shipping highest first. So it's going to give me the highest price. The first thing that came up was cast iron balcony stair fence rails post 1800s from an old hotel lobby. And that went for $12,000 on October 3rd of this year so that was the most expensive cast iron item on eBay in the last 90 days that sold um, under that was a super rare Bill E. Grin cast iron clown mechanical bake from Stevens Company and it looks really cool and it went for $11,500 plus 20 bucks shipping or so so there was that. Then the next one down was uh, a range, a cooker for oven, stove, natural gas, cast iron. So an old, maybe antique, probably range and stove. And that went for $8,300. And I guess the maker is AGA. And $498 shipping. They actually would ship that for that amount of money. So not a local pickup only it actually was shipped and the person that bought it had it shipped and it cost them extra $500 to do that um, and then it looks like they had another one for sale and that one did not go for 8300 it went for less but I don't know how much it went for it went for somewhere between $8,300 plus almost 500 shipping and then the item below it went for $5,380 with free shipping. So it went for somewhere between around $5,400 to $8,300 plus $500 shipping or so. Um, so they must have had two of them or something. And one sold October 10th and one sold October 6th. Um, so one person paid a lot more money than the other person did. One person paid the 8300 and 500 or so shipping. The other person paid who knows how much less, but it could have been up to like almost 3000 less. I don't really know. It's hard to tell, but those are the only two things 
it's kind of listed in between two items with prices, so you, you have to just kind of guess, and you don't really know the price it went for. But anyway, it went for thousands of dollars. Anyway, so then you can scroll down the page. There's a whole lot of things in between here. Here's a cool antique 1800s GE cast iron copper fan. Uh, the blades, I think, maybe copper. I don't know. But it says General Electric Freezer Fan London. It went for this fan, just a regular old cast iron fan. I mean, it's not regular. It's by any means, it's really, you know, really unique. But it's just a fan, and it went for three thousand five hundred and fifty dollars with one hundred seventy-seven fifty for shipping. And then on down the page, there's a lot more different things like cast iron banks and toys and stuff that went for $3,000 and more. Um, and then near the bottom of the page, and there's like 200 items on this page that I selected to see, um, you're going to start seeing things like cast iron pans. Like the, the only one I see here at the bottom is a Griswold brand. It's a number 13 with the lid and it's called a tight top baster with lid from the 1920s it went for $800 and $54.86 shipping okay so that's just an idea you know you want to look up something you just type it in and go to the advanced section of eBay and then select new or used um, and then you can see what different things went for and I selected used just so you know used items. So you're going to find a lot of antique and vintage items that way um, versus brand new cast iron, etc. But there's a lot of really, I think, you know, interesting things to look at if you just type in cast iron and you'll see if you want to try that. So um, it looks like it's about time to end my show tonight and I have a lot more info about selling, you know, that I can get into on my next show. I probably will do that, and coming up next is going to be the owner of AVR, Frank Steffen, and he's going to be on live for two hours, the first hour by himself, and the second hour with his co-host, Dean Lauren, so be sure and stick around for the Frank Report following my show, if it's Monday night live, and if it's Friday, um, my show will repeat from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time, and after my show uh, ends on Fridays, Survival Time, which is another great show on AVR, one of my very favorites, that's going to air for two hours. So it's all about survival and preparedness and self-defense and weapons, you know, guns and different things, ammunition and, you know, where to get good deals and how to protect yourself on a day-to-day -day basis and and in the times to come, you know. Um, he just gives you every kind of tip and, and great information, everything you can imagine. It's a very popular show. Uh, the host is no longer with us, but he left that show as his legacy to help us all. So we're very thankful and honored to be able to still have it on. So it's time to end my show tonight. Stick around. Great stuff's coming up next, and thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful evening.
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, good evening all. This is the Frank Report. Sorry for the delay there. It is Monday, November 28, 2016, and it is almost 11 minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Anyhow, 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. If you like to participate in the show, that's the number to call. But you can also participate by going to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And uh, once you get there, you will see that we have a chat room. And you can uh, participate in the show from there also, or or not. You can just uh, socialize there if you'd like to. All right. Well, hey, I'm just going to try to get over there myself as soon as I can open this uh, window. There, we should be on our way. Folks, if you don't have a username for the chat room already, you might want to get one, and you can do that by emailing me. American Voice Radio at Yahoo.com. That is the email. Just say you want in the chat room. I'll send you your temporary password. Now, you pick your own screen name. You know, you just tell me what you want to be called, and I'll send you your temporary password. You can get in there and change your password and there it is there you have it it's that simple i see a couple people in there right now and yeah they noticed there was dead air Hmm, sorry about that folks anyhow i played one less commercial than normally and i was doing something and i just took a couple minutes too long all right well we'll we'll get over it won't we maybe we won't but Nevertheless, here we are, and we're ready to go. How about this? Now, you think, a lot of people out there think, look, the public schools are terrible. You shouldn't send your children there. It's child abuse. And I have to agree with oh, with most of that. And, of course, there are probably exceptions in the country somewhere. There might be good public schools somewhere. I don't know where. Certainly, it doesn't seem to be anywhere I live near, but who knows? But there's this thing called charter schools, and people think, oh, yes, that's much better. Well, here's the thing, folks. You know, I mean, you just because you take your kids to a charter school or a private school or religious school or whatever other kind of school, you know, you still – you might have a better chance of getting a decent school as opposed to a public school, but you still are at risk, Think about it, folks. You're still taking your kids and dropping them off for six, eight hours a day with strangers who are teachers who were educated in universities. Uh, Are you seeing the problem? Well, here's one right here. Idaho Charter School Student Project calls colonial Christians liars, deceitful, and self-centered. They have a picture. Somebody took a picture. And uh, it's on like uh, one of these boards where you have a big sheet of 
white paper, and you take a magic marker, and it's a red magic marker. And what I'm seeing on here, it says a little bullet, you know, a dot, basically. And it says Philadelphia between Delaware and Skolkis. S-C-O-L-K-I-S, wherever that is. All workmen shall be content with their definite stipulated wages, is next. Then laws. No one shall disturb one's beliefs. Then, three types of inhabitants. Natives. Fair, honest, peaceful. Christians, liars, deceitful, self-centered. Companies and associations, wealth seekers and entrepreneurs. Uh, I don't know who's teaching this class, but, you know, uh, it's not the first time things like this have been posted according to somebody who was the observer who took the photograph. Now, the school's website, tjcs.org, states, Home of the Patriots, it is our mission to develop virtuous citizen leaders. Really? Where it says, Christians are liars, deceitful, and self-centered? Man, you know, this is what's going on, folks, because this is what these teachers are being taught in the universities by these professors. Why do you think? Now, we look at history, and just remember, the winners always write the history. So obviously, everything about Nazi Germany is going to be bad, terrible, awful, bad, you know, just the worst, heinous thing ever. But that's because the communists won World War II. And you might say, oh, no, 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 the United States won World War II. Well, what side do you think we were on? World War II was between fascism and communism, which really isn't all that much different. But, you know, just like the elite today have their different factions that want to do some things this way and some things that way, and sometimes they feel so strongly about it, they're willing to kill all your children over it. Not their own children, but yours. What side did the United States side on? They sided on Uncle Joe Stalin's side. That's who... Uh, I would say pretty close, that's communism. But if that's not enough for you, where else did we side? Oh, yeah, we sided with Mao Zedong, too, against Japan. Uh, more communists. Why do you think Nazi Germany, when when, you know the fascists actually came to power, why do you think they started killing the intellectuals? Why do you think they started burning books 
And, you know, look, I am usually always against burning books. I don't care if they're bad books or good books or whatever. I'm against burning books. Because burning books are just words, okay? You find a book you don't like, it's better you let somebody read it and to explain to them what's wrong with it rather than just burn that book. But this is what happens. Where are we now? How do we fix this? Oh, say Donald Trump comes riding in on a white horse. He's, he's going to fix everything, right? How's he going to do that? How is he going to fix everything? If Donald Trump was the most righteous man we've ever had as president, honest as the day is long, is going to really try to do every single thing he promised, let's just assume all this, how would he be able to do it? So you might say, well, well it's going to be easy because he has a Republican House and Senate. Really? You mean the same Republicans who want nothing to do with anything that isn't the status quo? Folks, the folks, the people that are calling themselves Republicans are really not much different than the people calling themselves Democrats in the upper echelons of power in this country. Now, down on the block, there might be a lot of differences between Democrats and Republicans. See, and this is the problem. We've been, we've been played, okay? Because down here in the real world, you might say, uh, I'm a Republican. And your neighbor might say, I'm a Democrat. All right, what do you believe in, Democrat? Well, I believe in social justice, and I believe in the worker being getting a fair wage, and I believe in uh, uh, open borders and help everybody in this. Uh, I'm a Republican. What do you believe in? Well, I believe in big business and uh, making money and, uh, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat, and we don't take care of nobody, and, you know, oh, okay, fine. There's real differences. And we can fight and we can argue and we can have legitimate, real differences in what we believe and how we think all things ought to be and how life should be. But the people at the top have no such distinctions. They call themselves a Democrat and they call themselves a Republican, but what is the difference? What do you believe in, Democrat? Well, I believe in big government, making a lot of money for myself and my family. You're a Republican. What do you believe in? I believe in big government, and I believe in making money for myself and my family. Well, what's the only difference? Well, myself and my family. See, that's the only difference. There is no ideology differences. It's just, well, gosh, if I let you make all extra money for you and your family, then me and my family are making less, so we don't like that, so I oppose you. But that's the only basis they oppose them on. They don't have any ideology differences. They're all for open borders. They're all for a cashless society, meaning your money is totally controlled by the government, meaning you're completely controlled by the government. They all believe the same thing. So how is Donald Trump going to get them to go along with him? 
He isn't. That's how. How about all the bureaucrats? And you think, well, you know, some of those bureaucrats are probably good conservatives. Not very many. You want to know why? For the same reason, not many welfare recipients are good conservatives. Because you see, being a good conservative when you're a parasite is counterproductive to your own interests. All right? That's why government bureaucrats are no different than the welfare slugs out there because they're all welfare slugs. They produce nothing but dung, okay? Nothing productive. Yet, the difference is a federal employee gets a big fat paycheck and a big fat retirement package, and the ones on welfare get a little check and a tiny retirement package. But everybody else gets to pay for both of them. And neither one of them want anything changed. They like it the way it is. You know why? Because it's working real well for them. I'm sad to say, folks, that I don't see any changes coming in this country. No, significant changes. Obviously, we're going to have some changes. I mean, Trump's going to have to do something different. But it's not going to amount to much, I don't think. I'll be pleasantly surprised. I would love to be wrong on this one, to tell you the truth. But I just don't see it happening. Unless you're willing to go into Washington, D.C. with an axe and just start hacking away until they're all gone, you're really not going to fundamentally change anything in that town. I still believe the only way to change anything is through your local government, through your state government. You know, and, and some people will say, well, hey, you know, the Republican Party is actually in control of most state governments. Well, that's true. But has it made much difference? I mean, okay, so we have different problems. Like in democratically controlled states, there seems to be a real problem with the fact that they're going to go bankrupt because they have given the labor unions these enormous retirement packages that cannot be sustained. And everybody knows they can't be sustained. But they just keep doling it out. That seems to be the Democratic thing that's going to bring it all crashing down because one of these days, it's going to get to the point where somebody's going to realize, you know what, this can never be paid. We can't do it. I mean, we, we'd like to, but we can't because there's just no money. There just isn't anything. There's no way. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. Ever. Well, what happens then? You know, because these these pension funds are not only, you know, people's retirement. <laughs> they're, they're part of the economy, a big part. If they crash, oh, man, what happens then? 
you know, it's like saying, well, why don't we just do a jubilee and, and, and forgive everybody's debt? Well, in an asset-based system, that may be possible. However, in a debt-based system, that's really not possible because, the, see, the fact is every bit of debt that you'll go, well, let's be nice and just forgive everybody's debt and we all start over. All right. Well, except that dollar of debt for you is $9 in assets for somebody else. So when they wipe out your $1 of debt, they also wipe out $9 of assets. Ooh, what's that going to do to the economy? Nothing nice. Now, in the long run, that'd be the thing to do, but we could not continue on with a fiat currency system after that. And that's the thing they don't want to admit, that the fiat currency system is a failed idea because of their greed. Now, look, we could trade anything. Sticks, stones, shells, worthless pieces of paper with numbers on it, whatever. And as long as everybody's honest and upfront, it'll work. But they're not. People get greedy. They decided, you know what? I could get $50 billion. I could own everything. I could buy riots. I could, I could influence governments. I just need to stack up enough of this worthless paper to where I can do all that. A la George Soros, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. See... The disparity in wealth could have never happened without a phony baloney fiat currency. It's a redistribution of wealth. That's all it is. Bait and switch. They bait you with the promise of money. They have you trade your labor, which is something of true value, and then they give you valueless paper in return. We've been had, folks. And they do this so they can transfer wealth to themselves. I mean, do you have $50 billion? Why not? How did George Soros get $50 billion and you don't? How does, how does Donald Trump have $10 billion and you don't? Huh? Well, anyway. Oh, gosh, it's almost time for a break. Can you imagine? All right, let's see. I think I'll play this one again here because it's just so apropos, and uh, we'll be back in a bit. Shining boys and 
just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Worried about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You are listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Monday, November 28, 2016. It's about 840 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's when it is where you're at, we're live, 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number, theamericanvoice.com. Or AmericanVoiceRadio.com is the website. Everything you need to know is located there. And we've even got a chat room, so if you'd like to go in there and maybe wake some people up that seem to be asleep, you can uh, go and do that. Of course, if you have not... uh, signed up, then you'll have to do that, which means you'll have to send me an email, tell me what you want your screen name to be. I'll send you a temporary uh, password. Go in there, and you can change your password and uh, chat away. All right, let's get on to some things and stuff. Yeah, Ohio State. 20-year-old Somali refugee. That's who did it. Yeah. Ali Ali Muhammad has been identified as the suspect who allegedly launched a car and knife attack on the Ohio State University campus, leaving nine people injured. Uh, It happened at 9.52 a.m. when the suspect plowed into pedestrians with a car and then exited with a butcher knife, stabbing several people. The suspect, who was killed by police during the attack, was identified hours after the attack took place. Reports indicate that Muhammad drove a car into a group of students who had left the school building following a fire drill. Uh, But it was not reported whether the suspect was responsible for actually triggering the fire alarm. There were initial rumors that more suspects had been involved in the OSU attack, like there always are, right? But authorities later said Ali Muhammad was the only suspect, which, you know, really, how many more times is this going to happen that something happens and the initial reports are, yeah, there were three gunmen, there were two people with knives. There was, uh, you know, another guy in the car. And then, oh, no, 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 no. Those are all wrong. The eyewitness accounts on the scene at the time, they're all wrong. We've now figured out he's a lone wolf gunman. Lone wolf machete-wielding maniac. Lone wolf whatever. How many times? Because you see a group of Somali refugees attacking people with knives and running them over with cars sounds a lot worse than just one disgruntled little Muhammad, right? Journalist <laughs> Lisa Drafteri reported that Muhammad was 20 years old and a Somali-American. A Somali-American? He's a refugee. But that just figures that journalist Lisa Dafpare would say that. And then NBC News reported the suspect uh, was actually 18 years old and was a Somali refugee and a legal permanent resident. How does that happen? Wow. 
But, you know, it doesn't make any difference because did you hear anything about a gun? No. Oh, it doesn't matter because, see, the liberals are all saying, oh, we need more, more, uh, you know, that idiot Tim Kaine. Let me let me go to this. This is in Twitter, okay? Yeah, I get news from all over the place, uh, even Twitter. <laughs> As if. Uh, yeah, look, there's a hey, there's a nice picture of a of a nice Muslim family, all wearing masks and saying, "Are you ready to pay for our welfare?" Yeah, that's it. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to get down here because this is worth this is worth telling you about here because you remember Tim Kaine, right? No, you don't because I'm not surprised you don't because this is the same Tim Kaine that uh, you know, <laughs> he he got 30 people and half of them were uh, journalists in at a at a. Uh, Florida rally. Yep. However, uh, the next day he canceled a uh, a thing because, well, he didn't want to be embarrassed again. Oh, here's something. Here's a paper. Give an example of someone who has impacted your life. The Lord Jesus Christ has impacted my life in a, that no other. Jesus Christ has given me, and he goes on and on in here. And the teacher says, F, remove Jesus, please. Wow. You know, I'd be going down to that school and having words if my kid came home with that. I really would. I don't know about you folks. And you know what? And uh, let's see here. Megan Kelly. You know, there's a perfect opportunity for boycott right there. Oh, and here's something uh, interesting. You know, they keep talking about, well, you know, Hillary won the popular vote. Yeah, well, with the illegals and the not counting the military and all the dead people, maybe. But here's what it really is. Trump's got 306 electoral votes. Hillary has 232. Trump won 30 states, okay, plus two delegates from Maine. Hillary won 20 states and Washington, D.C., Trump won 2,623 counties. Hillary won 487 counties. Getting the picture? This isn't even close. They want a recount? A recount? Really? (laughs) I mean, really, 4,000-something counties to 400? I mean, that's embarrassing, isn't it? Well, I guess maybe not for Hillary, because, God, I mean, if anything else could have been 
you know. <laughs> I guess I can't find it, but I'll give you the uh uh Oh, I think I'm getting to it down here. It's way, way down here. Well, I'll tell you, man, Twitter people just really they they sure got a lot to say in 140 characters at a time. Uh 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 uh. uh. Well, anyway, Tim Kaine was going, "Oh, it's another sad random thing of gun violence." Of course, there was no gun violence. You know, the guy ran people over and hacked them up with a with a knife. But the Democrats don't care. See, they call that gun violence. It's gun violence. It's not gun violence. There was no gun. It was a car and a knife. Oh, oh. so I don't hear anybody saying, you know, we have to ban cars, man. No more cars. Cars are too dangerous. And I certainly don't hear anybody saying, we need to ban Muslims. See, because, you know, they're the ones with the cars and the knives and the guns. Anyway, let's get to some other stuff. I can't find the Tim Kaine thing. It's too bad, too, because he shows what an idiot he really is. Uh, And, you know, this is why he did so well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. I gotta stop looking. I I just hate it when I can't find things and I can't stop looking. So I I need to just stop. Go over here, and get with this. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Let's see here. All right. Let's see. Hey, here's a great meme. Media bias. On one side, it says March two thousand six. Donald Trump suggested there might be riots if his nomination would be stolen unjustly. Condemned by media is dangerous. November 2016. Actual massive riots of Hillary Clinton supporters in major American cities after fair loss in election. Condoned by media as justified. Well, isn't that the way it always is, eh? Oh, I see. Here we go. Melissa just sent me this, and we'll see if that is what I'm... I'm sure it is. Somebody probably just tweeted this. Tim Kaine and others jumped the gun on Twitter about OSU attack. Yeah. (laughs) What a moron. Yeah. He found himself backpedaling about the attack that happened at Ohio State University Monday morning. Uh, what he what he had said here is deeply saddened by the senseless act of gun violence at Ohio State this morning, praying for the injured and the entire Buckeye community. Really? Kane was not the only one with an outdated tweet about gun violence by lunchtime. News outlets initially reported the incident as an active shooter situation, but the suspect didn't shoot anyone. He was, however, fatally shot by campus police officer. 
you know, and I got to say, in this case, this is one of those justifiable shootings. <laughs> yeah. I'm going with justifiable shooting on this. Anyway, so that, that this is the media bias we're looking at here, and they just won't they just won't stop, man. Oh, you're gonna like this one, folks. You're really gonna like this one. I'm even gonna bring this up to Dean because I've been squawking about this for a long time, and now finally, somebody somewhere, even though it was Pravda. Uh oh. Uh oh. Maybe I'm buddies with the Russians, and I didn't even know it. Because, gee, I've been on and on about this for years now, and, and now here the only one reporting it is a Russian source. Uh-oh, I must be hacking with the Russians, huh? Oh, boy, and I didn't even know. Yeah, get this. Now, remember the other night I told you about the U.S. missile destroyer Zumwalt, the most advanced destroyer ever made in the world. Oh, and it cost, uh, you know, a couple billion dollars or something. I mean, it's crazy money. Oh, and they're going to build another one, too, for the same amount. But don't worry. Uh, the next one's only going to be like $3.7 billion. Yeah, it costs like four, $4.5 billion. But after the second one, the price goes down to $3.7 billion. So what a deal, huh? Well, it, it would be a deal if it actually worked, but it doesn't work. Remember I told you it broke down and had to get towed through the Panama Canal? What an embarrassment, huh? Yeah. Well, remember I was telling you about the F-35, about how it's built here and built there, and we use parts from all over the world. And gee golly, what happens if we're buying parts from somebody who ends up not being our friend? Oh, hey, guess what? Turns out it's worse than I thought because we're actually buying parts from people who are already not our friends. All right? So, here we go. The U.S. missile destroyer Zumwalt and high-tech destroyer of the British Royal Navy, HMS Duncan, have turned into useless tin cans due to China. That's right. Microchips made in China have put, out the, vessels, have put the vessels out of action. They had been installed on board. Before that, the newest U.S. destroyer had unexpectedly gone out of order while passing through the Panama Canal. Oh, hey. What? Oh, I know what it is about the Panama Canal. That's right. Both sides of the Panama Canal are controlled by the Chinese. Remember when Jimmy Carter gave the canal that the U.S. taxpayer built? Back to Panama, which was nothing but a creation of Colombia. You know, they stole it from Colombia so they could build the Panama Canal through there with U.S. taxpayer money. And just to give it back to the Panamanians, which ain't even really Panamanians, okay? So what's, what do the Panamanians do? Well, they leased both ports on each side of the Panama Canal to the Chinese. Uh-huh. I am sure it's just a coincidence. I'm sure the Chinese wouldn't build chips uh, that they would have the device to push a button shut off. They wouldn't do that, would they? Of course not. That wouldn't be, that. well, that wouldn't be nice. Uh, let's see. 
And that was not the first time that it just stopped working. First of all, there had been detected a leakage in propulsion. Then, being in Florida, the ship faced technical problems yet again. The Duncan destroyer, which costs $1.2 billion, see, now that's, that, that's a real deal. See? That's a real deal right there, because, hey, the Zumwalt cost, like, three times that much. Got into the same situation during NATO's maneuvers. As it turned out, the Chinese killer chips are to be blamed. Dozens of thousands of them were purchased by the U.S. Navy. Obama's administration had been informed of the danger the devices posed. However, the Pentagon kept buying microchips and used them even when it was found out that they provoked failure in U.S. military networks. The killer chips are present in almost all of the military equipment and communication systems which have been recently built by the United States and Great Britain. Is this great or what? The military experts cannot decide how ships put out of order by the Chinese chips should be treated during conflicts and military operations. Okay, so understand what I just said there. The military experts are trying to figure out, well, how are we going to deal with these? Okay, so we're in the middle of a battle, and one of our ships just dies. What are we going to do about it? Not, how do we fix this? How do we eradicate all these chips and get some chips that actually work? How do we do that? No, no, they're not thinking about that. They're not thinking about fixing the problem. They're thinking about how do we deal with the problem. When we know it's going to happen, what do we do? And you might be thinking, well, what do you mean, what do they do? Well, you're in the middle of a battle. One of your destroyers just drops dead, basically. And now you either qualify it as being in distress and you don't shell it to the bottom of the ocean, killing the whole crew, or they regard them as posing a threat, and then they will be shelled until they sink to the bottom of the ocean with the whole crew. Hey, who wants to join the Navy? Anybody sign it up? Listen, folks, I, I mean, really, you know, it's one thing when I get on here and go on and on about it, but when other legitimate <laughs> I, I honestly really I mean this is worse than I even thought so now we got fighter jets that don't work we got destroyers that don't work we got aircraft carriers that don't work everything we've got that works is 40 years old still feeling like a superpower are you Still want to go duke it out with Russia, do you? You know, that could be a real bad mistake. And you want to go screwing around in the South China Sea with the Chinese, really? That probably is even a bigger mistake. Well, here's something else. CNN finally admits the White Helmet staged fake video. That's right. You know, the wonderful white helmets in Syria, oh, aren't they brave? Well, yeah, they would be if they were real, 
But it's all fake, fake, fake. That's right. You see, I think what's going on with this whole fake news thing, that they're going, oh, fake news, fake news, you're all fake news, is the fact that they're trying to call fake news on everybody before everybody calls fake news on them. Because, I don't know, I've never doctored up a video and put it online. I've never doctored up an audio to make people say things they didn't say and put it online and accuse them of things. But CNN has, MSNBC has, CBS has, NBC has, the New York Times has. Gee, who's the fake news here? Yeah, Syrians White Helmets apologize for Mannequin Challenge video in which they admit it's a familiar scene, serious defense, also known as the White Helmets rushing to rescue a man covered in rubble. But unlike other thousands of other videos, this one's staged. The nearly one-minute-long video has been the subject of criticism on social media on Wednesday. Civil, Syrian civil defense released a statement calling it an error in judgment. Oh, an error in judgment. Yeah, we made up a phony video, we put it out to the world, and you caught us. So, darn, it was an error in judgment. Now, if we wouldn't have got caught, it would have been a good idea. But see, that whole getting caught thing, that makes it bad judgment. Unbelievable. It's just, you know... Again, they got this video here. They're they're helping this guy, and he's in this rubble. And nothing, you know, he has no, he doesn't even have a bruise on him. Nothing. How does that happen? I mean, how can you have a building fall on top of you and and not even be injured? I'd like to know how to do that because, you know, I mean, that could come in handy someday if a building was ever going to fall on me. I mean, that'd be really great if I could just, you know, not get hurt. Anyway, I got to go. We'll be back in a few minutes. It is Monday night. We got a second hour coming with Dean Lawrence, so stay tuned and uh, thanks for listening. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere 
with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, welcome back to everybody who is joining from the uh, second hour. I mean, the first hour. Duh. This is the uh, second hour, so welcome to those of you joining in. And welcome to everybody who's just joining in for the second hour. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. It is Monday, November 28, 2016, about 10 minutes after 9 p.m., which Obviously, this is the second hour, as I said too many times now, but we have Dean Lauren as our co-host for the second hour, so we'll just skip to the chase and bring Dean on. Welcome, Dean. Well, Frank, let's play a game. I'm going to give you three words, and I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Rope, tree, Hanging. Journalist. Hanging. You. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, you know, I, I just that wasn't fair. See, because rope tree and journalist, they all go along, you know, with hanging. I can't, you know, once I thought hanging, I couldn't think of anything else. You should have. That's something. right. You have been thinking of thoughts of suicide, perhaps. No, <laughs> not suicide, because I don't consider myself a journalist. I consider mm. myself the press. Journalists are lying dirtbags who are professional propagandists. The press, on the other hand, I suppose could be that, but, you know, they're generally just people who are wanting to let everybody else know what's going on. Okay. That's my definition. So you you know, when I release the dictionary, you'll you'll be the first one. You can have an autographed copy of it. Well, in that case, let's get right to the news then. For my fellow, sound a little down. You're not thinking about suicide, are you? No. You know, you're the one that lives in New York City. So if anybody's thinking about suicide, you know, I'm thinking about all the Beltway Twitters that are talking about how Hillary Clinton has offered Jill Stein a cabinet position. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like that's going to happen. Well, you know what they say. The most important element of government is the method of choosing leadership. All she's got to do is swing Michigan and, and what, Wisconsin? Yeah, and Pennsylvania. Hmm. Interesting. And, you know, Pennsylvania is always ruled by the army. Oh, darn, though. Darn, darn, darn. Old Jill, the little prostitute whore for the Green Party, Mr. Deadline of November 21st in Pennsylvania. I guess there won't be any recount there. So then we have to look at the Counter External Operation Task Force. Holy smokes, that's a mouthful. Did you make that up? No. This was passed into uh, by an executive order. Oh, so Obama made it up. Okay. No, this is the Joint Special Operation Command, folks. It exports globally uh, what they have honed after 15 years of total confusion, to going after terrorist networks plotting against the West. (laughs) I fear you not. The CIA is declining to comment because the Joint Task, the JSOC Task Force, will report to the Pentagon through the U.S. Special Operations Command, or SOCOM. 
and creates a hybrid command system that can sidestep regional commanders with their coordination for the sake of speed. So he just created a mechanism for a coup. Special forces strike forces. That's right. Well, folks. Sweet. Last week, if you didn't hear about it, we had an attorney by the name of Marcus Mumford on the show. An attorney that represented the Bundys in the Oregon refuge standoff. And we learned one thing about the Oregon standoff. Fabulous Fabio. Uh, In fact, the entire issue of the Oregon refuge was a manufactured and created hostile environment by the FBI. And it's trained undercover agents to go undercover and create chaos. I understand Trump's reply Twitter to Jill Stein's cabinet position was, I quote, Pizzagate. <laughs> Mr. Podesta, the pedophile of the Beltway, may be going down farther than he thinks. Now, for those people who are backing the Hillary stab them in the back coup, we have to explain to everybody that the, how shall I say it, the House has reinitiated talks of impeaching Comey for having the FBI in forbidden countries that was revealed in the emails. Now, you're asking yourself, we never did find out who was responsible for those NSA Assange leaks that totally exposed the CIA and the State Department's machinations in the background to destroy America and uh, make a pretty penny on war profiteering. Well, can we have a drum roll, Frank? No. All right. Well, imagine a drum roll. And the person behind those leaks was none other than Michael Flynn. You might know him. He's up for the National Security Advisor position. (laughs) So you follow Michael Flynn and you'll find the people that helped organize the NSA Assange leaks to sink Hillary Clinton. But that's not what we're facing a direct threat of. On December 12th, it appears that the World Bank and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, is going to launch a massive attack against the United States. In in what way? They are going to alter... Well... What way? That's a good question. But we do know the goal is to alter the tax regulations 
and how the cartels under it, the monopolies for energy and communications are, are reorganized. So that's the thing, energy and communications and taxes. So, well, let's, let's do the analysis. First, you've got a private army. You've got Intercon Security, ACAL Security, Blackwater, by whatever name they choose to be called this week. I think it's ISIS this week. <clears throat> ISIS. Well, that's our CIA, FBI, military forces, clandestine. We don't see them. They operate in the shadows. Thou that, that shall not be spoken aloud. And we're not talking love either, folks. Well, okay. So we've got this whole hidden assassin armies. Now, it's funny because it was Intercon that tasered Marcus Mumford. Now, let me ask you something here with these, you know, secret armies. Now, logistically, it is inconceivable that they would have enough manpower to actually have a sustained force for the size of the United States. Sure, they could take some places, but they can't control any large areas. I mean, they've proven that in Iraq, Afghanistan, it goes on and on, okay? It's just, it's not going to happen so what I'm thinking about, now, these are special forces, because you're saying this is the Special Operations Command, right? Correct. SOCOM is commanding it. Well, that is special forces. And what special forces really uh, do in most of the world is they create force multipliers. Now, what I'm thinking about, you know, they go in and they find, uh, you know, wherever they're at, the indigenous people that want to fight against whatever they're there to fight against, and they train them and make them a force multiplier, meaning, okay, we got 100 special forces, and that's that's a quite a, you know, destructive force. However, it ain't no army. Uh, we need an army, so we get, you know, 5,000 of these people that are, you know, we're going to train them with the basics, and then we're got, now we got an army. Could the refugees that have been flooding into this country be used as this command's force multipliers? We have a brilliant computation by Frank, and it explains why Mr. Finicum had to be assassinated with a lethal stop, traffic stop. Because you see, ambush. Mr. Let's call it what it is. It was an ambush. Right. Mr. Finnicum was the voice of the Patriot. He was the voice and the face of the Patriot movement. If he had been alive and acquitted he would have gone immediately on air and the people in North Dakota and other revolutionaries, as Frank calls them, would have enacted a safety blanket on the U.S., preventing this force multipliers from all over this Middle East 
that are now within our four walls to take down our government with a false flag and making Mr. Comey the man in charge under the Patriot Act, the FBI director. So that's what we're really looking at. And so there's a little bit more to this analysis in that we now have to add our Euro-NATO computer geeks. Because you see, they want their black eye, no, I should say, call it, yeah, let's call it a black AI, like a black eye. It's actually a black eagle. Their AI is called black eagle. As you know, that's the symbol of the uh, Roman Empire is the black eagle. Whenever you see that black eagle, well, you know, that was, it's, that was also, uh, you know, Nazi Germany's uh, symbol, also the black eagle. It's also Russia's. It's called the old balance of wealth, folks. When you see the black eagle rise, you know we are talking about the old balance of wealth, and that has shifted. Now, they have to act before the French and the German elections because France is going to go revolutionary and Germany is going to go revolutionary and they are going to expel their JSOC people that are within their borders. So really, it's very interesting that Donald Trump is, in fact, the face of those people in our national intelligence who wish to stop this multiplying force. Perhaps they could have chosen somebody a little bit more adept. Perhaps he was the only one available. And nobody wanted the job. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think there's a bunch of people lining up for this job anymore. Because, you see, whoever takes the job and does the swearing in doesn't live long. I wonder what kind of insurance policy Ivanka has put on her father. Well, I wonder what kind of insurance policy Trump has. Because, you know, look, all right, I could be wrong. He could be, you know, he could be as naive as John F. Kennedy was. But the thing is, that's hard for me to comprehend, seeing as how Donald Trump has done big business in the big city his whole life. He's dealt with gangsters. He's dealt with killers and murderers and crooks and thieves and liars and cheats. He's dealt with all these people his whole life in big business and they will kill you in big business in New York City just as they will in big politics in Washington DC. <coughs> you know, so Which he's got why... he's got to have some kind of clue about what he's stepping into and how to say okay, look, hey, get oh, guess what? Uh you know, if something happens to me, uh you can kiss all your children goodbye. You know, well, or whatever. I don't know what is insurance. Instead of rambling policy. like an idiot, why don't you just look in your rear view mirror and keep your eye on Mike Pence? Isn't that the easiest way to keep track of who's going to put the knife in your back? Hmm. 
Okay, let's make it easy, folks, as we still have a little bit of an analysis to do. And that, of course, concerns the consolidation of accountants, because now when they come into power, they have to rig the books. They have to continue to rig the books now so that everything seems okay, Janet Yellen. See, they have to really juggle those books down at the Federal Reserve because if they don't, their whole plan falls. Very interesting. And their whole plan is based on the fact that the Federal Reserve and the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank have been stockpiling Petroleum reserves. Well, Dean, now, given the circumstances of all the debt and all the everything going on, plus the hostile, well, I wouldn't call them hostile, but other players like China, Russia, uh, Germany, who all have their own, you know, their own agendas and their own well-being that they've got to look out for first, uh, I view the Federal Reserve as, okay, so they're juggling, you know, juggling chainsaws that are on. And, you know, that's fine. But what happened? How many are you able to juggle? I mean, when somebody's over on the side tossing you more chainsaws, okay, how many, are, how many can you keep in the air at a time? And do you think that the Federal Reserve is getting to the point where they can't juggle any more things? Anything else gets thrown at them, they drop all of it. Well, when, when is that very point? interesting, folks. To determine that point, they we need only look at money as an energy movement, which can't be separated from the loans the Federal Reserve is making. Right. Okay. All we need to do is look at the energy movement, which is created by the loans. Now, it's interesting that... One of my projects is called Responsible Atomics, Responsive Atomics. And it's uh, pretty much based on scaling energies, which can be found in simple geometry and mathematics like the pentagram and pentagon. And uh, so it was very interesting that the boys from the Pentagon or shall I call them the Pentagon boys, have reached out and asked for this song. So tonight, folks, I'd like to dedicate this song to the Pentagon boys of Washington, D.C. Take it away, Frank. All right. As soon as I get it, here we go. We'll be back in a bit. 